And welcome back to WTF and Vonadil. We have hubcaps for a 72 Pinto hatchback with Spicy and the Fox Danger. <laughs> and uh, so wait, are we are we eBay now? <laughs> well, what do you expect Price me? List? You expect me to drink this coffee warm? Where's the ice fox? Uh, I, I, so I just don't even know, man. Sure. Today we're joined by Poison, everybody's favorite rune fencer. But now I get to be lazy because I have an EPO. Hey, congrats, man! Congratulations. And we're going to be discussing ranger lore and some ranger things. So about as uh, far from a rune fencer as you can be. And Discord, hopefully, is not as horrible as it has been tonight. We're, I'm, there's something I'm looking at Fox is switching over to, which would hopefully alleviate these problems. It's only been almost a full year of this, so, you know, it's, it's about time we, we step our game up. What is it? What is it? Uh, it was the, um, I have it. on a Don't worry about it. I, I, I gotta look at All it first right. before I even, you know, I signed up for it, but I have to actually mess around to try it. I can't just be like, okay, let's do it. Psh, never tested. Because last time, uh, you ended up being robotic because I changed a setting on my end that I thought would improve uh, the storage size of the, the file so it wasn't multiple gigabytes. And I'm like, I can't keep multiple gigs every week. So, And then that ended up making you robotic. So I've fixed that, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want anyone else to know my true colors as well. I always knew what you were operating off of. It was, I don't know, T and whatever else makes a robot work. Beep, boop. So how are you doing, Fox? Uh, I'm doing all right. Um, I have to make a huge shout out to Adject. Um, I've been actually trying to finish my Burt Gang for a while now, but I keep gearing up all these things, like make things smoother for the groups and stuff uh, that I work with. So like getting all the 10K Batetsu to Afterglow, it has been like heavy on my back burner. Um, keep having to buy arbitrary things just to make, you know, stuff work. Uh, so just randomly, he sent me a tell today and, you know, he finished more than half of that process for me. So, I mean, that's a really good random deed just out of nowhere uh, that he did. So um, I just wanted to make sure that he got some sort of recognition for it, even though he doesn't look for it or ask for it or anything. So he's just a really solid dude, and it was really cool he did that. He sent, um, outside of that, though, I've been... What? He sent me a message today saying, Hi, I haven't talked to him in a while. I know he's moving and everything. And the first thing I said is, And here I get no email. <laughs> oh, of course. He says he's got good excuses. Yeah, I mean, he, he seems like uh, like he's been busy lately. Um, I know that uh, he hasn't been able to be on uh, voice for Odyssey because he like broke his mic. Oh, so yeah. He, he said something about this, something about he ate his microphone. Yeah, I don't know how you eat a microphone, but I mean, <laughs> he described it and all of the motions made sense at the time. So I guess I guess it's something you could do. That sucks, dude. But uh you know, hopefully, hopefully you can come across another one that's yeah, a decent he, quality. He described it to me too, and I just, um, I still, when he said that he ate it, it, it seemed like it made sense in his mind. But just hearing it, it did sound like it, to me, it just sounded, how the fuck do you do that? But okay, you see, I just assumed he was mad at Felgar because it's really easy to be mad at Felgar about stuff. So apparently, that was not the case. So who knows? Um, outside of that, though, I have been camping the auction house all day today, and man, I am so tired of like random RMT asshats trying to like force prices back up while you're actively dragging them down. And like, I was watching people just like fail at it all day today because they would sit there and like buy a couple for like 500k or whatever, like a stack of Mitetsu on the zero around uh, 500k ish. I had the, or actually, they were at like 550k for a while, and I dragged the price down to like 490 a stack. They were 450 and then, a week. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it should be much lower. Like, there's no excuse for Bethesda to be that high. It's just pure greed and price manipulation. And uh, so so what I did was uh, was I just kept dragging it back down after they would make those bids. And so, like, you just see a random person, like, trying to buy it for this extraordinary price with an RMT name. And then, like, the rest of me buying them for, like, way less. And the worst thing is they buy them and put them on their yeah. mules, and then they stick their mules down there by Obero, and then they just fucking resell them. So they're using their mules to prop the prices up, and then they control the supply for the most part. So they, you know, people are putting them up for what they're putting them up for because they're manipulating the price to be higher. And then you go, oh, wow, because previously, uh, Baitetsu had been rather fair in price, uh, even 400k or less. I mean, didn't it? Don't you remember? It was... Yeah. Yeah, and then all the yeah, mules, like three eighty ish. Yeah, three eighty, and it wasn't ridiculous. And then all the mules down there by him were just like ridiculous prices, like six point five, seven k per, and they just no one bought them. And now I went down there the other day because I'm on the Baitetsu stage now myself, and they were all the same price as the auction house. And I thought to myself, something's weird here because they've never been the same price as the auction house. So they are clearly just fucking that market up, and it's such a high requirement that it's the perfect market to fuck up because. People make those weapons, you need, you know, over 10k of them, and then, you know, that's a lot of stacks of them, and they're just sitting there and clearly just dominating and controlling that market, and it's not like anyone's going to take that from them, because it's, you know... Yeah, you know, I find it funny that, that people, like, like sometimes get after, like, your everyday folk for, like, undercutting and stuff, but in this case, people undercutting is the only thing keeping that price reasonable. Yeah, because you got to think that people are also artificially manipulating things, and you know, so 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 like if you see someone in your in your LS like undercutting you or something like that, like yeah, you can give them some shit, but like don't take it personally or anything because they're actually doing you a favor because all this stuff that you would that you would commonly buy is artificially manipulated to shit, and like just watching it happen today made me want to talk about it a little bit on here. So it's, that's just pretty much my thing for it. It's screwed up because people go and take out their credit card to then buy guild and then buy these items and the people they're buying it from are making it more expensive so they have to pay them for more gill yeah. to buy the stuff from them and it's just absolutely a fucking racket yeah it's so are crazy. you guys having the same issue on azura or Batetsu or sky high yeah i plutons and rift forms are they stay low yeah the dirt fucking yeah. cheap they've always been cheaper but like not where by Tetsu were five times the price of them. I mean, people are making more mythics than average, but not not like that. Yeah, if anything, um, the boulders were actually closer in price to the Batetsu. They've always been that way. Um, yeah, yeah, and because that's actually like when when you're seeing that, that's the actual supply and demand of wanting to make it. Because relics are are subpar by comparison. Like if you look at a pure DPS standpoint for most of the situations. Um, but if you look at like an Empyrean or a Mythic, like those are the, the, the primo weapons because those are the ones that are supposed to do like the best DPS in that situation or be ultra niche pieces that, that you need, like, you know, not need, but that you want like Yagrush or uh, Karn, something like that. Uh, but there's no reason, like, like just, just even just watching the Riftborn boulders fall down to the price of Plutons is just amazing to me because that just tells me that nobody is going out of their way to camp any of the NMs for Empyreans anymore. Because once you finish the heavy metal stage and all that, like, it's just smooth sailing to Afterglow. It, it just costs you, like, nothing to Afterglow now. So, I mean, go make your Empyrean weapons now while the price is just ridiculously good for them. Well, they've been, like, 2k or less for Plutons and Boulders for a long time now, and they just haven't changed. It's by Tetsu that's being thrown up, so... I don't think that people yeah. are making more or less of the weapons now. It's just that 
you know, they have a lower demand as they have. It's just that one market's being controlled and dominated by people that are manipulating it. Yeah. Yeah. They find the most popular uh, item type. I was fortunate to jump in. It's funny, too, because, like, you've just talked about the episode today. You know, we're going to talk about Ranger. Huh? I said I was fortunate to jump in on Batetsu uh, uh, for the EPO. Before the price jump, I caught them around 400k stack. I was able to get most of them. But yeah, that price keeps fluctuating for us the same way. And Pluton, as a Riftborn, stay at like K a stack. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's good that you got that done too, because that's actually a weapon that, that really benefits from having an afterglow. There are some you can get away with not having it. Not that I would recommend you be subpar on purpose. It's just, it's an expensive process. And if you don't have to do it immediately and the weapon's still just as effective, you know, it's kind of whatever. But yeah, having uh, that, that, extra damage and like the 269 skill on an epio and just the ability to even take it to r15 um when you when you get there like that weapon is is so ridiculously strong in like almost all aspects of you using it that um it's cool that you got it done and that, that you're actually getting it done for like a pretty modest modest price you know i'm thinking i'm gonna have to go fight um some shinryu on d because i don't feel like spending all day even though it doesn't take the matters i don't feel like dragging my ass on i don't know because I could go do anything, any VD fight in, you know, a couple minutes or whatever yeah. and do it. But Shinryu is going to be one of those, like, more of a drawn, prolact, you know, protracted kind of fight. And it's like, eh, I want the gear. I, so, but I think D would just be I, more time efficient. You just get on, I just get on Blue and I just go slaughter Leviathan. Yeah, I had done that. It in the just past. folds. It's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, I don't want to spam i have the money to buy them i don't want to spam leviathan every day for months at this point i do a few here and there to alleviate some cost and burn some merits but shimrio i don't have any yeah. of the gear besides the accessories because that's all that drops of course so yeah good luck getting anything from it though yeah like uh we've actually like backed way off on even doing shinryu afterwards like ambuscade is just simply better content for us to actually get any progress on and i thought you said with ambuscade this month being everyone and their mother is having their mules come in and buy everything because they're just killing it with no effort this month the frog uh I, yeah i figured um you know their baitetsu would be cheaper this month along with everything because everyone has the items everywhere on every count so i figured they'd be everywhere and instead they're more expensive than ever i suspect they're actually holding those items until the price jumps again, and then they'll sell them for even more. When's the, when's the price going to jump on this shit? I mean, it's or if you look at it this way, um, RMT are like multiple characters influxing a huge amount of currency. Like when they're able to to get that from uh, like Ambuscade, for example, or something like that. Um, especially when it's this month, you're going to see a lot more more currency available to them if they decide to go that route. A lot of times, they just use um, the market itself to fund that stuff indefinitely but uh like if you look at your average player your average player is only going to roll up with like five stacks of potato right so even if even if they undercut you're going to see like five or you're going to see like five listings on the auction house where there's already like anywhere from 77 to like 150 i'm just giving you numbers that i saw today uh stacks already available on there that are going for 500k so when someone goes through and let's say they undercut it, maybe they're actually getting theirs sold for 500k, or maybe they're they've run into someone like me who actually um, nickel and dimes it all the way down as far as possible. Um, but a lot of times you never see their sales because it's so inundated by by sales that are that are higher that they just like slide under the radar and everything. And that's that's kind of the interesting part of a, of an auction house is that you don't actually see 
the the little man's contribution to it when the market is controlled by you know such a larger conglomerate for lack of a better word yeah because this morning there was only 24 stacks or so on the auction house there had mm -hmm. been then 50s spawned into being yeah. so yeah the, there are more people selling it it's just you because they're five listings at a time instead of you know the, the virtual 70 plus listings it's just never going to make an impact because the goods aren't actually scarce like you're never going to find a situation where you're going to interact with that one specific person selling that stuff because you need a shit ton of it and it's not visible really like you're you're just gonna accidentally buy it for 500k when you just swipe your credit card and pay whatever price is on the auction house it's kind of sad so how are you zon yeah doing pretty good uh, so since last time we spoke, I got an EPO. We finished Aeonix. I got my Trish. I adopted a cat. Uh, yeah. What'd you name it? Uh, so her name is Esper. And, oh, that's cool. And I adopted it because I don't have my dogs. Uh, my wife got a better offer for a job, moved away. I'll move up there with her in a couple months, but she took the dogs with her. So I'm like, kind of lonely down here. Thanks, honey. You have the makings of a country song there. It feels like it most days. And then uh, slowly but surely over the past probably a few months, I've just been... Because I needed the poisons, or I needed a whole bunch of things from the last coalitions, the inventors. So I've just been taking Thief for th or TH, and over the course of the month, I think I slowly poured the last hundred uh, job points into it, mastered it inadvertently. Uh, is everyone else cutting out too? Not not particularly. It's Discord here and there. I just figured he was done. I was just waiting for someone to ask how I am because it got quiet. I figured he finished and then <laughs> I thought my call dropped. I was like, where did everybody go? Yeah, this is this is horseshit. Well how how are you? How are you, Spicy? Are you know you, you okay. Where where do are I start okay? here? You know? I have to have a thing about fashion for a second here. What the fuck is wrong with the fashion world? You know, I went out today because, yeah, no, 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 I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it. So, Carrot is like myself and doesn't have too many pairs of pants. Like, we get a couple pairs of jeans and we just wear them for years because it's fucking jeans. And, uh, you know, so we go out today to, to look for some, you know, I told her, I go, you're getting new shoes before we go over. She's had her shoes for like 10 years. And she usually wears flats. And I said, you're not wearing flats. You're going to bring sneakers and shit so you can just walk around and not, your feet aren't going to be killing you. So... We go on this quest because she had a pair of pants. They ripped in the leg slot, you know, like in the, not in the crotch, but next to the crotch and the leg. So it's like, oh, you need a new pair of pants now. We go to look at pants. And what is the deal? I wanted a pair of pants too. And uh, what is the deal with jeans no longer being jeans? They're like blending cheap ass polyester in there. And it's like these stretchy, slim fit jeans that are jeans, but they're not because they're fucking have stretch are you talking to them. about jeggings no 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 not jeggings i know what no i know what jeggings are they're like mixing bullshit materials and jeans now it's not just denim anymore it's, it's they're mixing shit in so that like they have stretch but then they're also slim fit why are all the jeans slim fit i don't want my legs to be fucking you know anaconda or, or boa constrictored you know to my legs i want them to be like a classic cut and everywhere i'm picking up it says slim fit so i'm like i don't need this fucking stretchy slim fit bullshit like oh great the waist expands a little bit now because you put some shit in there that's gonna rip and, and it's like and, and it's like that's annoying and then on top of that you're telling me jeans cost a hundred dollars what the fuck is this i'm looking at the prices of these jeans and i go this is ridiculous i'm not paying a hundred dollars for fucking jeans so 
just go without pants, man. I, I, I will continue looking for jeans. You know, I thought the skinny jean emo kid shit like went no, away like it's still there. back when I was like not even twenty. It was so hard to find classic <laughs> jeans. I'm looking at all the jeans in different stores and they're all like they're like they're not skinny jeans. They're like slim jeans, so they conform to your body more, but I don't I'm not I don't want that. I just want classic jeans that, you know, they fit me like normal pants always have. You know, I sound like I'm 70 years old here who just, I just want pants. And the same thing with shoes. What the fuck is this? All the shoes. We went to the mall today, which I hate the mall. It is fucking, I, I, the mall is terrible. So every bit of riffraffs in the mall, and we go to like all the shoe stores in the mall, and all of the shoes are like 60, 80, 120, 220. I'm like, I'm picking up these shoes that look no different from other shoes, and it's $220. And I go, what makes this shoe from Nike $220? I don't need to walk on a wallet. I need to walk on functional shoes that don't cost uh, this. Does, does LeBron wear them? It was ridiculous. It was just, and this, the bullshit was they were like, uh, the shoes are doing this thing where they like take plastic from the ocean now. And they uh, make them into a shoe. So you see all these random bits of discarded plastic in the shoe of all these different colors. And there's like, like parts of it have already flaked away. And I'm like, why would I want a shoe that's $100 that has reused ocean plastic that's flaking away in it? Why would I want that? Who, who wants that? It's the new style. I know it's yeah. the new style. And I'm all for repurposing and reusing. But those shoes should not cost over $100 for reused ocean plastic. My question is on the jeans. Are you just... Brand loyal, like just Wrangler, just Levi's, or is this across the board? Shit, I went over to Marshalls to look for jeans, and I'm looking at these jeans, and they're all like $50, this and that, because there's no clearance or anything. There's just all normal jeans that were over sale, but it's like, they're all like $50 plus for jeans, and I'm looking at them, I'm like, why? And they have their price of 50 and then they used to be 100 or 150 for some of them. I'm looking at them like, why the fuck do pants cost this? They're made by little children over in an exploited country, and it costs them nothing to ship them over. I mean, there's no shipping right now, of course, but I mean, what? Why? Why are these? Anyway, so that's my problem with the fashion world. I don't want skinny jeans. I don't want slim jeans. I don't want jeans that are like skin tight. I just want classic fucking jeans that are denim and not bullshit polyester and, and cheap fibers woven in there. And I want shoes. I have no problem finding shoes. I just get Pumas or something. She has trouble finding shoes because apparently only men buy shoes. You go in a shoe store and hey, like 90% of the store is all men's shoes. I don't get why. Whatever. Um, but yes, that, that was, those were the fashion trials and tribulations today. And I'm telling you know, on top of everything is like those high rising belly jeans for her. So I have the, the skinny jeans are the problem for me, but she doesn't want the belly jeans. Like every, I, th woman, I think those yeah, look fucking terrible. They look terrible. And every woman they is look wearing terrible. either athleisure up to above her belly button, like right below her tits, or they're wearing these jeans that will, you know, 20 years from now be called mom jeans, where every mother yeah. is wearing jeans right below her tits to keep them up or something. It is, I don't know what this is. Yeah, dude, they're, that's exactly it. They're mom I jeans. The look. Like, I remember, I remember people always made fun of mom jeans, like, back in the day, and I guess now it's a thing. We went into H&M because we were feeling... was a thing back in the 80s. We went into H&M because yeah. we were feeling desperate, and they literally had mom jeans on the rack. They had a whole rack of mom jeans, and I just looked at them, and I'm like, this, I go, you want to try these on? She goes, no, because like the hips were super huge and they were like clearly meant to like you had a couple kids kind of jeans. Yeah. 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 So. I mean, it, it it is what it is. Like if you need those specific kind of jeans. Yeah. Right? yeah mom like, jeans have a place. There's nothing like, wrong with yeah, mom jeans. You yeah. know, everyone's got a mom. But when but. it's the only selection, like that's the problem. Yes. So I don't I, this, you know, Carrot doesn't want to wear pants up to her tits. 
and uh, otherwise the pants are super long and she's a short person. So it's, it's been a dilemma. You know, I don't shop for clothes. I have a bunch of metal t-shirts, okay? I don't go shopping often. I don't like clothes shopping. I want clothes and I just want to wear them. I don't care. So every time, every few years I go back to the store, it's always this modern what's the fashion trend that's going to plague me. Just a simple person, okay? If anyone hadn't noticed, I'm very simple. Right. So speaking of moms, uh, how am I? So if anyone remembers, I think it was the last episode or so, I mentioned the guy, maybe it's two episodes ago, but one of the two, who uh, is uh, yelling that I have a Jewersy accent. Uh, you know, that Zarloff guy has been yelling and, and shouting and trying to make fun and harass me. So he ran into me and sent me a tell. I didn't send him anything, of course, because why would I? And uh, he's like, Blue Mage is the most useless job ever. And I said, is that why you're working on it? And they go, meh, just for Paladin sublol. I said, well, you can stop at level 8 with Cocoon, and then you're a pro. And they laughed, of course. So then they stop and go, what is best in slot cleaving weapon nowadays? Bunsies and? It's been a while, lol. So now we've gone from leveling it for sub, and it's the worst job ever to, what's the best in slot for not sub Blue Mage that's cleaving? Because Sarloft is a, is a dirty fucking stupid merc. So I said... I'd say Bunsy's an offhand your mom, but it seems like a poor choice. And he goes, my mom's dead. That's not very nice. And I go, well, she must have tried to level Blue Mage too. Wow. So, uh, so, so what happened then was this guy's uh, girlfriend, I don't know if it's e-girlfriend or what, went absolutely fucking ballistic. On top of him, he started going ballistic too and just trying to uh, spam, stop sending me messages, don't follow me, stop stalking me. And I'm just, I'm sitting there not moving and not talking to him. And he's like trying to spam messages to try and report me for harassment to ban me because I told him to offhand his mom. But his e-girlfriend goes even more nuts. And for days now, Anasura has been yelling to pay 150 mil for my address so she can come kick my ass. Oh, this is the the picture that apparently, okay, the Instagram picture. Yes, and she, she sent me... Intel's her Instagram handle, which I didn't even know was an Instagram because I don't use Instagram. It said at JK Lovely. And I'm like, what is this, a Discord name? Because you do an at person name. I go, what are you giving me your Discord name for? There's not even numbers. And um, they sent me that and they said, this is so you can see what a real woman looks like. <laughs> and they've been yelling in town that they need my address because I'm hiding behind the computer as a bully and they're going to beat my ass. And uh, I don't know... Uh, who's hiding, but also I don't know if it's very bullyish to, uh, you know, go beat someone up or not, but it sounds like it, so I guess bully is as bully does. In a world where someone can mail you a bomb, like, I, I don't think, uh, I, don't, I don't think anyone, like, beating your ass is, I'm like, not. what you really have to be worried about. Especially when you send me what you claim is your picture, and you're, like, uh, a teen mom who's grown up a bit at this point in their early 20s, it looks like, who's just scrawny. You You look like, you know... You just got out of camping in Central Park for a uh, 99% rally or some nonsense. It was just, wow. yeah, I'm not, if you told me your last name was Kaczynski, I might be a little concerned. Otherwise, you know, just just, just stop it, people. So about that mental health episode. Yeah, I guess. Because offhand your mom Boy. is not something that- took exception to that. Oh, yes, yes. It was good because I tried to get on my mule to try and claim that 150 mil because it would have been perfect. And I started giving them, like, I gave them an address to, like, to, like, Montvale, New Jersey for, like, uh, I picked some, like, some Ryan uh, Humphreys, because it's Humphreys, huh, huh, funny name. 
And they they started going, uh, uh, no, Maria es- Esposito lives there with her husband. You're incorrect. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? She's like, give me the address, and I'm going to have a cop friend of mine verify it, which is illegal to go do, by the way. You don't just ask cops in different states to pull up people's personal information so you can attack them. That's that's illegal. But nonetheless, uh, interesting story. And uh, yeah, that's how I'm doing. So... This is how this is how much I want 150 mil. <laughs> I made a meal to jump on to Zur to claim 150 mil and just give him a fake address from way back. It has to be. I, you got to find like, like the right name. I'm not even gonna play with the Ryan game. It's literally just gonna be like one, two, three, fake street, whatever, to see if it works. No, they're, they're um, very skeptical. Three times the population, ten times the span tell compared to Bahamut. So I think I'll stay at Bahamut. She can keep the 150 mil. Yeah, the spam's terrible. With my filter on now. Uh, I literally saw no yells for a while today. It was that means literally everything was a Merc yell, and the ones that got through were the the weird Chinese character, Japanese character RMT yells to buy on the website that I've had to manually blacklist. And after that, there was literally just no yells. Uh, it was just it was just very sad. So that's why I've taken Asura a long time ago off of the recommended server list because if this is the server we want, all these people and all the work on these characters. Eh, fuck you guys, you, you know, these, these RMT mules and characters will have to start over, which is no problem for them, but they can go somewhere else, and we can have the server that's left. Sounds like a peak Saturday. Yes, peak Saturday. Otherwise, I have a beer today that constitutes a fruit beer, I'd imagine. It is uh, very cloudy, and it is somewhat funky. Uh, it is from Pipeworks Brewing. It is run deep. It has a picture of a horse with a unicorn horn. Uh, going through, uh, I guess, what appears to be a spring in the Philippines because it is a sour wit beer, so a sour white wheat beer, Belgian style, uh, with coriander and calamansi. And I had to Google calamansi because I don't know what the fuck that was. And is it that is a fruit? It is a Philippine native fruit that is supposed to taste like a tart lemon, lime, and orange. So a sour fruit beer with coriander of lemon lime orange it is uh it's not a bad time i i'm a fan pipeworks is from chicago apparently i've had their stuff before their grisette and stuff like that i'm a fan of pipeworks they are a good brewery which is why this is kind of a good time but it is definitely a uh more funky fruit beer i don't even know how to place that like i mean obviously i'm turned off by the fact that it's fruit in your beer like i have been on every it's a episode sour with fruit though. but uh well, <laughs> disappointment yeah, I've never I've never had that particular fruit, so I don't know if I can really make that judgment call, like not knowing anything. So I I guess I would try it. It sounds more like a citrus fruit. Yes. So a tart probably, citrus fruit and a sour probably fruit. a fruit probably a fruit beer. <laughs> it's not horrible. I have another one queued up. I just keep getting these fruit beers. I have another one queued up that I don't think I'm going to like. So this will be my reprieve. Thanks to Zon being here. I figured I'd do something like that before Next time, uh, we're going to go back to this guava mm-hmm. nonsense. As an adult, you can always choose to buy beers that you do like. Oh, no, I have plenty of those. Oh, okay. Because, like, I don't know why you bought a beer that you don't think you're going to like. I've had a different beer every recording or wine or whatever. I've never repeated so far. How do you do this? Well, I go to the store and I buy something. No, what I'm asking is, yeah, I guess I set myself up for that. Do you, like, pick a variety pack or Oh no! I just you go to you the know, store. It's like, hey, fill the crate up and this you is, get six this beers is randomly. Craft beer. <laughs> there's there's a whole country full of it. 
All right, man. So you keep doing you. <laughs> any other questions about the beer? No, I think I'm spent. So otherwise, uh, updated news. The last time I'd mentioned the uh, Reddit thing and put a request in, they got back two days ago, finally, after eight days of waiting, and they denied my request for the emptied, abandoned, moderatorless r slash Final Fantasy XI that has no posts and was made by an account that's banned, which if people request other subs in the same exact condition as that, they would get them easily. So multiple requests from multiple people for r slash Final Fantasy XI have been denied by the Reddit staff of uh, r slash request Reddit or something. They have a section to do that. And that's been denied by multiple people. So obviously there's some some chicanery behind the scenes because that's not natural and that makes absolutely zero sense. So since they denied and since r slash FFXI is uh, pretty dog shit, uh, now there is r slash Final Fantasy 1-1. So Final Fantasy 11 with the ones instead of X and I. And uh, it should be better because it'll actually have moderation. It'll actually have people looking out and, you know, taking care. Like, like you have to moderate that conversation in a Reddit. You just, you have to do that. Otherwise, it turns into the shit we have now. And, you know, the r slash FFXI still has the the latest Final Fantasy mobile information and their latest update patch of July 2018 on the sidebar. And uh, the date for the Ooh. mobile release is uh, still coming, question marks. I've even PM them about, uh, can we get this? r slash mobile out of here since it was canceled and posted and there's nets never coming out and no response and nothing changed so nobody gives a shit oh yeah it's yeah they, the, the moderators they don't fucking care and resif is a clout goblin who only wants to own that subreddit for his own you know personal gains and clout he wants the access to se he wants to look like someone he wants that uh representative status and he puts no work into it whatsoever he doesn't give a shit obviously about the community or the game and doesn't play so that is why r slash Final Fantasy Eleven is a thing. So go join that. You know, I think that'll be a better time. Funkworks, I, and Lucifer are already moderators there, and we will set that up over time. I have to learn about Reddit functions now. Instead of just posting there and posting. I have to actually be responsible and, and try to do good for once. So, wow. Yeah, I know. I can't just shitpost indiscriminately. I have to have a little bit of decorum now due to the, the role. That's got to feel weird, man. Yeah, you know, heavy is the crown. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to get banned from this one now? I'm the lead moderator. I can't get banned now. Someone actually could request my removal, well, so I still can. So one of the moderators there would yeah. have to request my removal. Time will tell. Yeah. Or if I was only one, they could do the same thing I did, and they probably would grant the request, maybe. So, you know, I, I just want stuff. Because think about it. We talked about this last episode, how you keep the community, and I mentioned specifically the Reddit, how you keep the community going in the future is by having healthy resources Auction house is in maintenance mode. It's never going to change. Rooks has less time than ever, and Scrag will not bring anyone in. Guild work is dead. That's why we have Discord, and, uh, you know, that is never going to be anything. Blue Garter, the people running that, the wiki will run. Funk and everyone will work on it and uh, improve it, and Raggins will update it and stuff. But as far as the forums go there, absolutely nothing's going to happen. Never, ever. So there's really no resource for this game Besides kind of the Reddit, they could be kept in a modern, low-maintenance, someone-else-handles-the-infrastructure fashion. So it's really important to have something that everyone can turn to. and uh, Or some, like, rogue guide or YouTubers. Yeah, something. because you can put... It's basically got to be the least effort that someone can put into something. And I would say, like, video format is probably where that's at. Mm -hmm. I would, that's why BG Forum, BG Wiki is the most important, because it has the guides page and stuff like that. Outside of everyone making their own bullshit YouTube videos... 
for a, you know a few months and trying to post them everywhere and then someone just disappearing constantly and never posting another video again or never playing again and like all those people you can at least keep all that stuff in a unified or updated fashion and there's really bg is like the only resource at this point that's kind of in a modern you know state that's cared for and improving outside of just nothing you know just just maintenance mode so i like the visibility that comes from these sorts of things because otherwise people won't become interested in more stuff, right? Like, so that that's why for like some content creators that are out there, I say, hey, it does more good than harm. But at the same time, when there's nothing to keep any of this in check either, like that causes a red flag for me too, because then you end up with a bunch of people who are just bad at the job running around on the game, but they don't know like what the job's specific potential is. So that's like, that's specifically the war that I wage doing this, uh, the stuff that I'm doing right now, talking to you guys. Like That's like my primary objective and everything that I always go on about. And I just absolutely cannot stand that there's like no quality of standard. Like it's just whatever looks the best, but there's like nothing behind it. Like the closest thing to actually being useful is also like technically the worst content, like when it comes from like a, a fun standpoint. And that's the FXI math guy because he at least shows you why something is happening. Zola. Yeah, and Zola. But I mean, Zola, the, the, the problem there is it's only like the highest end. Like yes. they're they are very specifically tailoring themselves to, hey, we are awesome. Not, hey, this is instructional. And I like it, you know, as someone who can understand how to make it instructional, but that is not content for everyone, obviously. And that's the part that kind of sucks. Like the content that's out there for everyone to learn from isn't really checked by anything and therefore some people look like experts who are clearly not is the issue so there was that dragoon i'm looking for advice from pro dragoons or whatever uh reddit thread a couple weeks ago where someone was completely off the rails spreading misinformation and then lashing out at people just you know oh, telling God. me yeah remember like you don't obviously you don't play dragoon spicy and you don't know what you're talking about <laughs> And this night, and someone goes, he wrote the guide, and it's like twenty six well, magic evasion hands. Yeah, and he wrote the guide. Someone posted, and then they put like obviously he doesn't know anything, and the guy's garbage. You know, this person doesn't. So they were just doing that, and then constantly spreading misinformation that Trishula is equal to Mythic, and nothing ever changes, and at the highest level they are the same. You know, there's stuff that's not true through and through, over and over again. And they were just going off on everyone, just like two dozen posts, just batshit crazy just attacking people and going nuts and the moderators did nothing and you know that person should have been tempted at least at the point that they got to if it got handled early enough they would have just been warned and deleted and they probably would have stopped but the point it got to they should have just been tempted out of there and just kicked out of there and that should have it's still up it should have been deleted but just that stuff there's no you know you can't have because the people that are the one person that's moderating the reddit there they don't play the game they don't know that this person's spreading misinformation and, and just being a, they just see them being a shipbird in general, so they're not even handling that. But uh, you know, you need to have a quality standard of some sort. Yes. Yes. And you have to be able to differentiate a fact from an opinion. Yes. That's a huge at the thing end, too. At the end of the day, how much of the community is actually active putting out other information? Uh, it's, well, you guys, it's very small. There's a lot of posters. Yes. No, I understand there's a lot of posters, but it's also a lot of like, hey, what's best in slot? What can I get? What can yeah. I buy? What can I... What's the best offhand for clear for? blue? Apparently, <laughs> your mom needs a lot of testing, so... <laughs> yeah. For real. But Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's definitely nothing gets kept in check. That's for, that's for one thing. It's like we've lost all 
idea of what a standard really is. And there's no moderators in auction house. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's whoever has the biggest bandwagon of of followers who will say yes. Yeah, but it's devolved into you yeah. know, I don't know what it is at this point. It's not even tribalism. It's just not even anarchic. You know, it, it's just. Marshall it's, Leafkin's following somebody who's oh, going to get yelled at. I actually yeah. never see that. Um, even though I know that's that's one of Spicy's favorite topics. Well, yeah, you, I, I never I never see that now. dude come up really. Oh, oh, oh. the Leafkin guy. Oh yeah. Well, he not, no one wants to see him come. He's he's got ego issues. Uh, but what I'm wondering is how come, or I'm sure maybe people have tried, it just hasn't gone anywhere, but have you guys actually tried reaching out to other content creators? I know like you had Rio on here, God, almost a year ago. Um, you know, you plug Zola all the time, but has anyone actually reached out to the other content creators to try to get everybody on the same page somehow? Well, the problem with that besides how do you reach out to these people who are just in their own lane, is you would need to have a new platform for them, a new, you know, AH 2.0 kind of thing where it has functionality people want in general, and it has resources that unify all of the, you know, good stuff in a sense. Um, and you would need to build a new platform for that. So you could have collaboration. You could have even page on BG where it keeps all the good guides and stuff, but that would be far too messy to make a wiki page. That would be actual infrastructure built, which would then mean someone has to host it. There's fees, there's money, and you know it, it becomes quite a thing. So someone would have to be willing to make the investment in something that people aren't investing in. So that's and, and here's the problem too. Like we also can't assume that we're infallible in this idea too. Like I've obviously been wrong about things on show and stuff, it, but I mean it's just the overall message that, that really. Yeah, exactly. Or um, killer instinct stuff like that. Um, it's it's okay to be wrong, but I mean the, the information never feels like it gets corrected in a public enough manner. And then there are some things that just go unchecked. I messed just up entirely. Like, yeah. I but but here, here's the thing, though. Like as far as as far as like reaching out to people, I mean, it's a matter of who actually has an interest in collaborating with us at all. Uh, to be totally honest, right? Like we've we've put it out there. Like people know we exist. Um, you know, and sometimes we just don't don't get the feedback. But we have had people on, like we've had Rua on. Um, we were supposed to talk about lore, but we talked about Paladin a lot and Beastmaster. Beastmaster. And then um, we have Martel on. Um, he's pretty close to content creator because he uh, does almost all the testing for this game, <laughs> um, and uh, he's actually in a majority of Egen's stuff because uh, he's like like the go-to tank guy. And stuff like that like he's all over the age forums like he generally has good information so like we have reached out to people who do good and are humble enough to not phrase things as like absolute certainties especially like when you look at martel's approach to things like he, he'll only vouch for things that he specifically knows that he's tested and that are good and you know this is the answer and the conclusion we came to and here's the data we had to, to prove it you know that that sort of thing is great and that's the sort of person that we need disseminating information but we have a lot of people who are the only ones doing something <laughs> and therefore that makes them the expert at it and they're not. So I, like that's, that's the rough part. I, I mean, yeah. And I mean, I'm not going to be real popular for this, but you know, there's certain ninjas as well. <laughs> um, yeah. Certain samurais even like people are all over regions nuts and, I've been going out on Samurai and just like absolutely blasting things. And I don't, I don't even have a mass immune or anything like that. And like see, there's, there's the big divide too, is 
for someone like Yijin, since this is probably the most we've ever said that name, unfortunately, on the podcast. Um, for someone like him, it's a big kind of cult following, a cult of personality sort of thing. So for someone like him, I see him as a content creator, but uh, not for the sake of the game, but for the sake of themselves and because they just want to do nothing besides play. And how do you excuse that besides making a uh, following and making a career out of twitching kind of thing and building up, you know, finding friends via Twitch. But, you know, that kind of thing. How do you keep... Because I don't think that's good. But then how do you, who, who is the ultimate authority on that? Who is the decider? And he's got plenty of fans, you know, plenty of detractors, plenty of fans. So, you know, it's another facet to that is if you had some sort of uh, unity within that, how would you even filter out something like that? Because, you know, maybe most people agree, maybe most people disagree, but there would be a divide there. Yeah, and I mean, there always will be a divide. Like, people arguing about stuff on the internet is a tale as old as the internet, right? Um, but at the end of the day, like, there should be a place that you can go back to or, or like, it can actually be, like, a factual statement. Like, there, there are actual facts checked. There, there are not people just going on and on about, like, some sort of best-in-slot idea when best-in-slot doesn't actually exist as a concept. Like, it's it's not real, guys. Stop doing best-in-slot. Like, I'm going to have a fucking stroke. Um just things that just don't get put in check and people will go nuts and, you know, destroy our in-game economy over these ideas that just aren't real. And it's just, it just all kind of like culminates in this perfect storm of misinformation, which is just absolutely mind, mind destroying. I, I don't know. A lot I, of it, I could rant forever on this. A lot of it in this case, when we mentioned Asian, a lot of it isn't information. It's just entertainment. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I bring that up because, because he's a samurai specifically and people are like, Oh, he does samurai stuff and he kills content through whatever means he uses. Right. I, I don't care about his image. I care about the fact that people will look to that one specific situation and go, Hey, yeah, that's what I want to do because that's gotta be the only way to do it. That's the part that that's, that's really concerning. It could be anyone who, who sits up there and does that sort of thing. Yeah. It's just, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's really concerning that like nobody fact checks anything. They just, take this idea that people throw around Uh, there is yeah but i mean if you just learn the fundamentals which is what i try to tell people uh, you just got to learn the fundamentals of the game and you'll you'll understand what your your best in scenario um, options are because you'll be able to figure that out on your own like there's nothing super complex and anything super complex has already been figured out by the people who are equipped to figure out super complex things like that's why formulas exist you know you don't have to figure them out yourself they're there for you already so i so think I, I think most of the inform- most most yeah most of the misinformation that comes into the game is obviously just through people in the game just talking a link shell or whatever not knowing and just spreading the misinformation that's the way the game's always been and that'll always be a thing can't do yeah. anything about that uh, hopefully someone fixes things where it can be fixed Otherwise, I would say, honestly, Reddit is the number one source of misinformation that comes yeah. out and around. That's why I think siphoning I people like away. Plague. Yeah, that's why I think siphoning people away from r slash nobody cares and nobody moderates, nobody pays attention to it and maintains it, FFXI, to the new one that I set up with, you know, Lucifer and stuff and Funk is to help bring that sort of fact checking and then attract people, go, hey, does anyone want to moderate? And moderating in this sense isn't like, oh, I'm going to ban this guy for being a dick. It's actually, you know, being around to see some things and correct things and comment to things, not just never be visible. You never see moderators on the other one. They just kind of, they respond when they're messaged and that's good. But you want to see 
the staff that's supposed to be overseeing, in this case, moderators being the staff, not like actual Reddit staff, um, you want to oversee, you know, they're supposed to be there to actually kind of guide the herd like a shepherd kind of deal. So you have to like, so they can respond to questions if need be, but so they can correct the record is part of the job of a moderator, in my opinion, and then they don't do that. So I think if we can siphon this off, it'll be more of a positive. It's a fork, of course, it's never good, but I think it can be a positive change. But let's go into, yeah. I don't want to, I don't keep dwelling there. Um, yeah, yeah. So join the subreddit, spread it. Um, let's go into the last segment here, the surprise segment before uh, going into the actual episodes since we've been doing this forever without actually touching on the, the actual content again. So, question we weren't asked, but we're going to answer anyway. Uh, Fox doesn't know what this is. I just told him I'm going to bring this up during the episode. Oh, boy. Posted four hours ago by Zankster90 on r FXI in the questions weekly thread. I recently got Samurai to level 99 as my first job. While I had fun leveling it, the thought of having to get so many different gear sets looks so daunting. I'm thinking maybe of leveling Dark Knight instead. Does that have any less gear requirements, or should I look for a different melee job? So the funny thing about that I is... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, okay. So I'd say, like, from, from a strictly how can I get away with a bare minimum number of sets, like, point of view, I would have to say Samurai is the easiest one to gear. Yep. <laughs> And that's I'm talking about bare minimum. Obviously, every job has like as much depth as you want to put in. But uh, all of their weapon skills use like the same mods. <laughs> um, all of them have like are, are like single hit, no FTB FTB transfer. I'm talking about great katana weapon skills, um, or their hybrids, which are very easy, quote unquote, easy to gear. At least easy to understand how to gear uh, nowadays because it's just strap on some Niami, you know, make necessary. TP bonus options available to you based on TP thresholds, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then if you use a polearm, like maximize Star Diver the same way a Dragoon would, like that's a more niche set though, because oh, you can still, you, well, you can still impulse drive in the same set you Fudo in, to be totally honest. Um, I do, with the exception of like one or two slots, I, I forget what, what I switch out, but like, yeah, I was like blasting things for like 70 caves with impulse drive. Like it's not, you know yeah with shining one obviously because otherwise i mean you're on sam i just want to state the you know well when would you ever be using star diver outside of setting up a skill chain possibility for pull arm with shining one on sam uh the odyssey um is when you would do that um if you uh for whatever reason like you could spam impulse drive sure or you could like set up a skill chain where let's say like meditate's available you can and you know that you don't one-shot it with Impulse Drive, then you can go start Diver to Impulse Drive. That'll kill just about anything. And it has to be, like, piercing weak. You know, it's just... I'm just spitballing. Like, obviously, it may not be an ideal scenario. But you could just spam Impulse Drive twice and it'll be dead, Fox. You could. You can also make damn sure. <laughs> I mean, uh, I usually err on the side of damn sure if you're executing two weapon skills anyway, right? Yeah, because on a higher so, floor, like floor four or something, that might not be the case. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it just it just depends on what you're doing. But yeah, almost all your weapon skills, though, you can get away with just using the set you use for Fudo because a lot of that gear is just really solid, to be honest. And and the options for Sam are just incredibly streamlined by SE. It's not even that streamlined by us. It's like they just like handcrafted sets that Samurai can just go out and abuse because I'm not like the greatest Samurai ever, like, but I can absolutely go out and just blast shit. I've actually been having fun, like 
trying to figure out how many mobs I can do cap damage on lately. Like I think I've mentioned that on a couple podcasts now. And it's not like I'm any kind of serious Sam. It's just I like to have all my options available and I like to work on like all my jobs. Like I pick a different one every every day and try to make it a little bit better. Um, Sam just happened to come up and then I ended up just like master blasting things, which was really funny. But uh, yeah, as, as far as this guy's question though, I mean, if they had done any amount of research, they would <laughs> see that a lot of these slots on the little, the pretty little boxes that you're going to find on most of these guides is, has the exact same piece of gear in them. So I, I don't know what to say beyond that. Like Monk is another example where it's pretty easy. It's just kind of the opposite because you just work on multi-attack really. But it's all TP bonus and multi-attack. All day, every day. So I don't know. Unless it's victory smite, monk might be. The I, I don't want to go down too many branching paths. Yeah, yeah, but... yeah. The monk yeah. might be the other easy job to kind of gear up for. It new... is. I always recommend monk as the first player job, kind of thing. Like sticking to ninety nine as the first job. It's it'll do you well in end game, and it's easy to gear up, and it's rather powerful for what it is, and rather simple for what it can do. Or I mean, it can it's do. It's a super. Yeah. It's a super safe DD, and honestly, its uh, TP phase mechanics are easier than jobs like than having to understand dual wield. Because like martial arts is just a straight up delay reduction, it, it's it's you don't even have to like multiply it by anything. Like it's it's just there. So I, I don't know. It's like the easiest thing to figure out. The thing that strikes me is not that it's one of those questions where the guy obviously doesn't care to learn anything and he doesn't even want to fucking go have fun because he's more concerned about getting things that he feels he needs than actually playing the game or doing research. Of course, as I went into there, but. It's that people keep coming to this game, don't understand the game, and it, you know, from a sense of it's different from every other game, especially modern games. So newer players or even older players that play newer games that are coming to this for the first time, it seems like I feel like a lot of these are newer players, uh, which is good, of course, yeah. to have. But it's just the game is not for them, and they don't have, for some reason, they're not set up with the right expectations. Where if this is the kind of game that you play and come to this game, you're not gonna. It's not the same game. You're probably not gonna like it. So you need to either feel it out and just play it and get into it and see if you like the game at its at its core before deciding if you want to go further or just not because I think it's just it's different in a way that maybe a lot of people just don't want to play anymore. But just if that's the case, then don't be fucking stupid with this. Come on, this is a stupid question. Here's here's the thing too. If you notice, this question almost always comes from someone who's already ninety nine and or job master. Yes, that too. Isn't that isn't that kind of weird? It's almost like these people who advocate for like not just burning your job and then trying to figure it out later. Um, they, they always are like staunch defenders of just burning your job and trying to figure it out later. Like it's almost as though if you go and play your job actively in con in content and actually get like mastered over time and actually, you know, learn what's going on through play um, that there might be something more to it than, you know, maybe I just figure out how to copy paste something. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. And that was like but, like uh, Sleepy Blue yeah. Three, who said, "I'm pretty. I'm still pretty new still, and I love Beast, but I also like casting." Dot dot dot. Is there any magical subclass that makes sense? And they go, "I've read the guides, but it looks like this is what people don't want to do. Is there any other angle I can do what I want to do?" You know, those those kind of questions where it's just like, "Why? Why are you? Why are it's you this so way?" Too. Because if you look at any of Beastmaster's content, he's like the pinnacle when it comes to like pet only strats, like being able to do stuff with pets. And I think I see him 99% of the time. He is beast sub white mage in like all content. Like he he's 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 basically soloing vagary when we do our vagary runs as beast sub white mage. Is there any situation in which this makes sense? So yeah, that's that's that. That's just another way of our typical trope there. So what the fuck is the lore surrounding a ranger? Is the title of the outline made by Zahn here? 
who has quite a background and quite an interest in this, and we'll go over various things here. If Zom, right. if Zom wants to take time, the floor. This time I'm not going to start in like the center of it, like I did last time we had an outline. Oh, yes. I thought you were going to start in the center. Okay. No, 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 yeah, well, this, one, this, one's actually, this one's laid out uh, much more uh, to code than the, sorry, Various. <laughs> than Various's last one, which was kind of just him spitballing anything he could think of and then kind of making it align. So this one's made to be start to finish kind of guide or outline. All right. So what's the lore surrounding a ranger? Uh, I guess the first thing we should probably think or talk about is what is a ranger in game compared to what is a ranger in real life? And we'll start with what is a ranger in real life? Um, the idea of a ranger in real life has shifted over the last probably 2,000 years. Uh, most professional militaries these days now use a ranger as a type of either leadership or small unit school. Whereas rangers back in the day, they were scouts. Uh, we didn't have a formalized idea of a scout. We had an individual or individuals who would go out and go find where the enemy was encamped. Uh, they'd be out there for days at a time, you know, just if you would, looking, scouting, surveying, building maps and all sorts of things to tell friendly elements, hey, this is where, where the bad guys are. Let's go find them. Uh, Fox, if you want to pick up how rangers play in game or how SE had imagined rangers, because um, we all yeah. knew them as the bow class or the range class. And there is some yeah. truth to that. Throughout the history of, of the franchise, there's always been that class that just kind of reappears in-game. Um, it sort of as like, the earlier ones were like the hunter class or whatever, but, but basically it's the class that uses a bow. So they wanted some sort of like ranged attack focus class in this game, and it came out uh, way before like Corsair did. So it's like the original like ranged attack only focus, you know, sort of thing. Um, as far as like how the job plays though, um, aside from it being like a recurring trope within the series, it's a uh, th there's like a couple ways of looking at it. Um, the way that it, that most of the people who believe in like one strat only metas, um, they look at Ranger as, hey, I'm gonna try to like pop off true flights <laughs> and do as much damage as possible. So like they're considered by most of those types of people to be like this uh, high end like heavy magic DPS um, job even though they're, they use physical attacks, you know, for range attacks, CP phase, that sort of thing. Uh, their weapon skills are, are magical and very potent. Um, but as far as what Ranger can actually do for a party, um, they've actually been very good at enemy control, like flying under the radar, um, which I think actually parallels what you were saying about them being scouts before. I mean, it's not exactly the same thing because, like, you don't exactly scout while fighting a boss. Um, but just the fact that you're subverting the attention of the boss, you know, things like that through their their mechanics that are available to them and their, their weapon selections and and other things, um, they've just been naturally good at that. So I think that's actually a really good parallel between the two, because obviously you don't want your scouts to run around announced, right? <laughs> if you're trying to find an enemy encampment. So I think Rangers uh, will mirror that in a lot of ways. Um, but what they are very good at is... Um, just being able to do damage at range, uh, go unnoticed, and basically not be a liability to the party. Um, a lot of times they'll sacrifice some of their damage output for it, not to say that they can't deal tremendous amounts of damage, especially with Hovershot now, um, but they typically aren't as bashy as a lot of the other heavy DPS are. Like if you run into like a Samurai Dark Knight, just going ape shit on something. Um, Ranger isn't exactly the same way, um, but that's not to say that, you know, their damage output isn't also impressive like i've, I've gone ranger to quite a few things um it's just not a class i talk about very often because it is very straightforward um but usually whenever i opt for a ranger in a strat it's for amenity control specific 
I always think of uh, scouting and ranging as, you know, similar hand in glove kind of um, facets of someone performing reconnaissance for others. So I would never imagine a scout or a ranger in this case, not that they're different things, um, as something that goes toe to toe. It would always be something that kind of isn't, you know, isn't like, you know, an in your face kind of, you know, uh, squad confronting someone, but someone who is, you know, providing uh, the intelligence, the surveillance, the, uh, you know, providing information on the landscape, and then uh, committing to combat in, you know, in the back in a distant sort of manner, which is how Ranger is, I suppose. So, yeah, it's usually outside of the range of most incidental damage, uh, most incidental enfeebles, you know, that sort of deal. Uh, I mean, it can subvert a lot of fight mechanics that way, too. Um, just look at, like, Odyssey with Arabody. Um, that's famously now a situation where you don't just blast it with um, magic weapon skills, but instead you use physical weapon skills and you abuse uh, hover shot um, just to deal damage over time because it is piercing weak. Um, but you're also out of the range of fetters and all the nasty uh, AoE dispel or all the nasty dispels that Arabody does. And it just kind of keeps you out of the shit. Whereas, um, alternately, you could try to use something like a Dancer or a Thief to deal that piercing damage, but you're probably going to be a lot less successful just because of how absolutely awful it is to stand near it. Historically, so it's that kind of shit. Historically in the game, Ranger had always been really big for surviving, you know, being out of AoE range to continue doing damage when fights would go Dark Ixian or something. Just long fights of not wanting to be in range and just, you know, we had Black Mages too for the same purpose, but depend on the fight. But uh, Dark Ixian would be definitely one where Ranger, they just kind of you lured it into a cavern, you know, like an area your tank could stand back because it was getting blown away by uh, the kicking and all the other stuff that the pony does to you. Uh, and just yeah. the rangers would be back there back just on, blasting yeah. away. But it's always been a job that could bring power from a distance and stay out of the shit. So kind of what I imagine a scout would do in, you know, in a military sense. But Zom will probably give us more on that. The idea of a scout has shifted over the last couple hundred years and to be honest the real formalized idea of a scout has not existed uh, until recently and i would say probably the last 500 years of what we consider modern warfare the biggest thing for scouts and all that was the way we implemented archers and depending on what region of the world would be a different way we implemented archers within the militaries so i guess before we go on i should probably Lay some credentials down so people understand where I'm coming from and the background I bring to this. So, first off, uh, the guys on Bahamut who are in the Discord, hey, appreciate it. We got, a, we got an Alice over there, bounced some ideas off of them. So, they helped out with the layout. So, we didn't bore the listeners to death with one of like my previous college classes. I'm sure no one would want to sit through military history 101. Don't sell yourself short. Oh, <laughs> possibly. Uh, but at the same time, they made sure I, I stayed in check roughly for the game as well. So with that, I take in about two years worth of military history class, um, all sorts of things from, you know, the history of ground combat, uh, Cold War, uh, utilization of the Air Forces over the years. Um, as I threw in, what was it, episode feedback where we talk about nostalgia stuff, uh, I ended up failing out of college because I may have played a little too much Eleven. Oh, shit, son. Oops. That's not good. Ah. Womp womp. Womp womp. Off and your mom. Ah, uh, so... Oh, yeah, now that didn't happen. Um, fell into college, decided screw it, college wasn't for me. Did a 
years in the military, been around the world once or twice before. Um, had some fun, got to meet some interesting people. And I th the biggest thing I actually enjoyed out of all this was the culture. Um, did a little bit of time in Korea, did a little bit of time in Germany, got to see like their military history museums and the way how we think of things, uh, the way they viewed similar events, especially when it came to you know, ancient history, uh, ancient histories and de development of civilizations. So that'll lead us into the first subject here, which is the types of weapons we'll see in-game uh, that Rangers, and we're going to touch a little bit on Corsairs as well. Not too much, but they deal with firearms and marksmanship skill. So the types of weapons they use, and then we'll move on to how these influence game and how mythology influenced the game war as well. Yeah, that's fair. You got to be able to tell, you know, history from myth. So the first weapon we'll talk about is bow, because bow has been used for approximately seventy to sixty. I'm sorry, sixty-five to seventy thousand years. Uh, ancient hist or historians believe that the bow was invented at the later end of the Stone Age, around sixty-five thousand years ago, and we know that though it may not have been used in conflict, uh, tribes against tribes, it was used for hunting. We have Cave drawings that have survived approximately 20,000 years uh, showing the simple use of bows and arrows for hunting purposes. And from there, we were able to go, okay, this isn't a new advent that has come in the last 10,000 years. This is something we've been probably using as long as we've been using uh, things like clubs, fires for cooking. This is actually even predated things such as agriculture and farming. So we were still nomadic tribes wandering the world. Zon? Yes. Did it predate balsamic? Probably the idea that we thought of balsamic it did. Um, because you're talking about fermenting world. food. Right, you're talking about fermenting food. Yeah. So yeah. that came into the preservation and storage, especially when we stopped being uh, nomadic tribes, following our food, and we settled in areas. That's a scary thought, man. I can't imagine a world without balsamic. That's good, man. Is it scary that you can't think about a world without balsamic or fruit beer? Because this oh, also no. predates beer. The, the fruit beer is for my punishment for the amusement of all. It is, you know, this one's a, a pretty good time. But uh, it, it is, you know, a pain-pleasure sort of thing. Then again, they were making beer before they're making balsamic. So perhaps that the uh, fermenting that they came up with back in the day was, uh, you know, something of similar concept where it's like, oh, man, this tastes like shit. And you want to talk about it? I can't figure out how to make this uh, range projectile uh, work. And then they sat in a log, so, and they they, said, they got together as a, as a group, and they said, uh, welcome back to the Baloney and Butt Crack show. We're going to talk about fruit beer today. That's, that's good, man. <laughs> Continue. I apologize somewhat. <laughs> somewhat. All right. I appreciate somewhat. Uh, so bows are normally classified amongst several types, but the two most common types you'll see is the materials bows are made out of, and the profiles of a bow. Evident early in the game is the idea of, hey, what are bows actually made out of material-wise? Uh, we have the, sel the self-bow and the composite bow in the game. A uh, self-bow is actually made out of one material, typically flexible wood. A composite bow is made out of multiple materials. Normally, it had a wooden core for the limbs. That's what you normally see bending on the bow when you draw it. Uh, reinforced by bone. Or animal horn. Later, it actually was reinforced by metal. As you travel through the medieval ages, you realize 
They kept the wooden core, but they were actually wrapping the limbs in metal to give them strength, especially as we go into crossbows. The final type, and this is a more though has been used in medieval and early the advent of earlier or I'm sorry, the end of Egyptian culture is the laminate bow. Now laminate bows are more modernized bows. They use different composite materials, so carbon fiber. Flexi, or I'm sorry, not flexiglass, uh, fiberglass, things like that. But the idea behind a laminate bow was it's a layered type of wood and it was all bounded together, or I'm sorry, bonded together by resin. Again, composite bows, they're normally screwed together, they're glued together, but they're all, you can see where each individual piece is, where the laminate bow, you can go, okay, hey, these are layers assembled upon one another. Uh, the best way to think about it, and everybody's in on it now, is Damascus. Everybody's all about Damascus knives and all that. Think of a laminate bow that way. I mean, I find it even easier to remember a composite bow because Kevin the sea cucumber only uses composite materials in his jellyfishing uh, wand. What the shit? I don't even know how to respond to that. You've never seen that episode of SpongeBob? Come on. No, man. I, no. I do not know what you're talking about. Kevin, Kevin the sea cucumber? I'm clearly not cultured. <laughs> Jeez, and I thought fashion was the problem. Yeah. I mean, obviously I know it's Spongebob Be Legends, I don't know what you're talking about. That's good. So, yes, uh, I was just, you know, helping him remember composite materials. That's very easy to remember composite bow then. I was just being an idiot. I'm not helping him. So. So, all right, so moving on. Uh, another way bows are normally classified is by their profile. So the biggest types of bows you'll see during this time era and I keep saying this time error, um, again, based off of what we have in game and some of the in-game lore, some of the graphics, some of the ways. Uh, I've also taken some of the things like delay. How does delay affect some of these? I'm estimating technology to be around the 17 to 1800s. So at that time, you would have seen uh, flat bows, recurve bows, and reflex bows. Flat bows, though not so much used over in Europe, we're actually seen here since man had to cross the land bridge. Uh, we have evidence of flat bows, which is a single either flattened piece, which was warped to become flattened, or it was cut so it was flat, and then it was bent uh, using the bow string. We have seen flat bows in America since 1500 BC. Uh, recurve bows, it's what you commonly will see in Olympic-style shooting. if It's not a compound bow, but a recurve bow doesn't have any of the wheels or gears. A uh, buddy of mine who shoots both, he goes, recurve is more natural, or compound is like training wheels. It's something you're going to learn when you start getting into archery competitions. The recurve bow, you can tell the ends of the limbs. They're pointed away from the shooter towards the target. Uh, recurve bows were seen throughout the world in ancient times, from Egypt to China. Uh, there is no evidence that these may have traveled across through trade, and it may have been one of these things that each various civilization kind of discovered on their own. The final is a reflex bow. And a reflex bow is a bow that has so much tension on them that they actually tend to roll. Uh, they call them the C-roll. And they roll, the limbs will roll towards each other. Now, when we first found reflex bows here in America, from the Native Americans that were living here, what we had noticed, or what we had thought was, where they were recurve bows. And just over time, they have been slightly warped. So all the good quality reflex bows that we had when we were discovering them or rediscovering them, 
we were breaking them because we didn't understand how they worked until we looked at things like uh, reflex bows used in China and Korea. The smaller size of the reflex bow, because of the way it was shaped when you drew it, it acted like a recurve bow because there was more tension on the limbs. It was able to fire with more velocity. Uh, velocity being important because that allows for more energy so you can get more accurate flight, a further flight. And then when you start talking about armor or plate armor, scale armor, and all that, it's more penetration to the armor itself. So as far as recurve bows go, the first one I can think of in game that I, you know, this is going to be an old school kind of thing, is the Lamian Command plus one that Paladins used to wear, the magic defense bonus bow. I think that one has the tips around the bowstring pointed outwards towards the uh, opponent. Yeah, that sounds about right. Anyone remember that bow? Good throwback? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. common style. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had one on Mage. Like in common below. So actually, All right. there is an earlier style of a recurve bow in the game. Oh? The longbow. Longbow level 5 is actually more of a recurve style. Oh, okay. Were longbows traditionally the recurve style? Uh, traditionally, not so much. If you think of the English longbows, they tend to have been more of... Sorry? They're more of a flat bow style, if you would. Uh, they did have a bent limb, but they didn't have the limbs pointed out towards the end. And this had to do with how much draw they had to get with them. Though the bent limbs provide a little bit more strength, at the same time you give more more height to the bow itself. So being those long bows, you know, you have to pull them. They're trying to get them to be the natural draw of a person standing. Uh, the recurve bow is actually going to cause issues when you release the bow tension because those limbs will either catch the ground, catch uh, armor, whatever it be. They're going to catch something. It's not going to actually be beneficial to the bow. We can talk about the damaging of bows, breaking of limbs, all sorts of things like that uh, as we go on. All right. Yeah, because I know that when it, when it comes to like shooting a bow, like a lot of times people don't even grip them properly. Because I've actually like looked into uh, looked into archery and how archery is done in competitions and stuff like that. And like, there's a lot of stuff that goes on with a modern bow that I don't even think would have existed like back in the time periods that you're talking about now. Um, but uh, I know that there's quite a bit when it comes to making sure that you know you're you're wearing like the strap for it and everything because if fired properly like most of the bows that that are used now and i assumed it would have been the same back then as far as like trying to improve your accuracy um you actually don't even really grip them you're it's all held there by tension and once once released like the bow actually like swings and that's why you see them swing during competitions and stuff yes depending on how you hold it when you grip it you could start um it's called muscle fatigue, and you start shaking. And yeah. even a small shake that you may not notice is going to have sway in the way an arrow flies. When oh, we yeah. think of an arrow flying, most people think it flies straight. The way you pull it out of a box is the way it flies. That's actually not the case. It vibrates as it goes through the air, much like a sine curve. So back to calculus. Yep. And what people don't realize is as it flies, um, that small shake is going to give it more of a wobble, and that wobble is going to change its direction in flight. Is that why when they were, you know, forming formations historically of archers and would shoot up, they shoot up towards the air so that when it 
lost its you know velocity and gravity brought it back down it would kind of stabilize the arrow from our penetrating force instead of just shooting straight at the person so that actually has to do with the reach of a bow uh shooting up higher up in the air gets you further out in archery i figured it was besides just reach there might actually been practical implications of adding more force or stability to an arrow instead of having it wobble through the air no so commonly throughout the years and this is always been a problem your thicker armor is always on front you didn't want a 45 pound helmet on top of your head so it was a on top of your head was always a thinner armor so it, that was the intent was it was going to come down on top in addition to that shields were always a big thing yeah you can shoot at a shield it makes the shield heavier but the shield is still going to be in front of you providing protection if and if we look at like roman and greek ideas where hey, they have the shields above their heads. Well, now you can pelt it with arrows. That shield is getting heavier. You can't keep that shield up in the air now. And in some of like uh, Athenian and Spartan cultures and their military tactics, your shield was supposed to go where it was intended to. No one was covering that spot for you. So if you couldn't lift that shield because it was pelted with arrows, there was an opening there. You had essentially failed your element. Um, the idea of a phalanx is where yeah. this comes into play and also to address like um the, the physics behind firing a bow like up and and whether or not you're going to be able to fire it forward yeah range like you're gonna want to arc it up to get more range um because gravity will always be pulling it down towards the earth um so you'll get more range that way right but if you end up firing any projectile in like an arc you a lot of the time will have a lot more velocity um leaving the muzzle or in this case the bow um going upwards until the point where velocity will reach zero and then gravity will take over and start bringing it down. But um, that acceleration is not going to always, is not going to be the same as the acceleration it had going upwards. So it's only going to have like, there's a finite amount of force that's, that an object traveling downwards like that will actually be able to inflict on something. So there's going to be a maximum amount of penetration as well um, because based on the weight of the actual object. Okay. Um, because only gravity is acting on it and wind resistance and stuff, but I'm not going to get like super technical. Um, but yeah, it, it, it like, no matter what your draw strength actually is, like, that's only going to affect the distance if you're firing it up and it actually like stops and starts traveling in another direction. Um, it's not going to, uh, it's not going to, uh, have as, as much bearing as, as if you were to just fire directly into somebody, which is obviously going to have a lot more muzzle. So it's a combination of one range, two armor styles and placement and three, um, just the fact that it's not about velocity because terminal velocity will not exceed the velocity of the initial force enacted upon the arrow. Yes. Yeah. Which I suspect it was the case, but I figured maybe there was the fact that it wobbles when you launch it and maybe the terminal velocity would stabilize the arrow. And it was, you know, I didn't, I didn't know about the arching, arcing for range or, you know, I, I can, I knew the armor would be from the, the top down more vulnerable, but I didn't consider that as well when asking that question. Yeah, actually, I don't know what it would do um, once it reaches a, a, a zero velocity and, and actually your vector changes, like when, when gravity takes over and starts bringing it back down. I actually don't know if that would change um, how it how it would wobble after that point. I imagine that any any uh, wind or, or air pressure acting on it would cause it to like sway, but I don't know if it would wobble the same afterwards. I'm um, more, more concerned with the tip being consistent towards the object so you don't like have it wobble and have less than the tip hit you. Just gotcha. the tip, folks. The tip actually okay. stays fairly in place. Uh, it stays along a path, if you would. It's the rest of the shaft 
that wobbles. And then, <laughs> yeah, you can't make this uh, sound like we're children. <laughs> you can't make this sound like sex ed anymore. And then the I swear, baby, the rear the end, shaft was wobbling. Smooth shaft. Right, it's just it's just a smooth shaft that's just wobbling everywhere. It just goes as it pleases. I swear, baby, the head doesn't move. It's quivering. <laughs> it's quivering. That's for you, Eric. Oh god, this is good. And we made it some time before we got one of these jokes in. What was it did, like last time? Within five minutes? I didn't think we were going dick joke in this episode, but you know, little did ah, we know. We started off with right. your mom, but we got to a dick. Yeah, well, we're talking about phallic objects going through the air. I have a loss in You have failed the phalanx. But yeah, some of what I explained could be slightly wrong as well, because I'm I'm not used to uh, dealing with like how the um, the object itself changes in flight. Um, and I mostly have done uh, projectiles, as in uh, like bullets, uh, not uh, not stuff like arrows. But like the same principles apply uh, for the most part. Like when it comes to like changing your vector direction and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean the most I know about this sort of stuff and like you know Newton, it would be figs, you know. So. Figs. Hell yeah, man. All I know about Fig Newton laws, man. Mighty tasty. Mighty tasty. They're all right. They're all right. So now, um, the next weapon that we commonly see in the game, and this is the first of your marksmanship skills, is going to be the crossbow. The crossbow was first seen around 700 BC. Uh, it was a mechanically drawn bow mounted horizontally on a stock. You know, you skipped some stuff in the outline. Oh, we're, we're going to go back to it. Okay. I didn't see. See? So what I what I noticed based on some of your questions is we'll lose some of the flow. Uh, so we'll just go back on it. But yes, we'll we'll talk about how China views archers, much like your your knights. Uh, we'll talk about the Battle of Hastings, and we'll talk about uh, Sun Tzu a little bit. We're so responsible today. Is he fried chicken or <laughs> I don't even is, know. is he not fried? Because we only talk about General Chow often, you know, more than anything. So, so General Chow was a. Uh, American dish. It's a delicious <laughs> sauce, too. I thought he was an expert in the history of, you know, how a soldier marches on their stomach. No, that's Colonel Sanders. Oh, you know, nobody beats the colonel. He's finger-looking good. So, back in 700 BC, uh, the advent of the crossbow. The crossbow was slower to load and fire, but due to the way the limbs were, you got better penetration and better mobility for the foot soldiers using a crossbow. During this time, we commonly think of the infantryman as a knight with a sword or a polearm or a pike. And though it's true, you didn't have scouts. They weren't a group dedicated to being, hey, you're archers. You're only going to be archers. You'll fall in with your archers. They were integrated within the line units themselves. So they were considered infantry as well. Yeah, it so, sounds like with the basis being in like hunting for a lot of bows and a lot of bow use that you'd probably see the idea of what we think of a scout is is more of like a militia thing rather than a formal army thing, right? Yes. Yeah, uh, that just makes sense. Like I actually didn't I don't know if that's covered in here, but like that's just kind of the conclusion I drew on that. I think it's one of the notes I have somewhere in here. Oh. Yep. Yeah, no, it's one of the things we skipped over. Oh, okay. Um so Europeans also use crossbow the first time we see them there is Greece. They're referred to as the Gastrophes. Oh yeah. Yep. So they um, all use true flight, right? Yes. All, all the time. Good cap lines, uh, man. Something nice. like that. Something like that. Uh the first time we see it written is by Heron of Alexander in his book Bellopicia. I'm just gonna butcher the crap out of that. 
Uh, he mentions it in the first century BC, but he writes about the use of crossbows during the, the siege of Moita in 39 BCE. So, looking at the... Yeah, okay, that's why I'm lost. Half the notes are in gastrophies as well. So, looking <laughs> look at this, what we believe is uh, the Greeks used this crossbow, and it was a belly releaser. So I guess I guess we'll touch upon the first I of the Rima weapons. Yeah, we'll right, touch upon right. the first of the the Rimas here, which is the gastrophies. Uh the gastrophies are believed to be attributed to Sabish Seb he's a Greek engineer, and I feel bad I can't pronounce his name. What was it? Hold on uh, but what makes them what makes them different from the rest of the European brethren is actually how they're loaded. So the gastrophes is loaded by pushing the sl- the bowstring into the release as opposed to pulling it. And how this worked is there's an like arch on the back of the crossbow itself that you mount up your stomach or your chest and a long leg. And you pull that leg out, it will lock into the bow, put this arch again into your chest, and you would push into the ground. And that's how you loaded the weapon system. That sounds really awkward. It it is. Uh, it is also a bit larger of a weapon system. The Gashafis is believed to have later influenced uh, Italian en- or, I'm sorry, ancient Roman engineers in siege weapons. So when uh, when we had the Scorpion and all that, when we were playing, uh, I'm sorry, not the Scorpion, uh, but when we were playing uh, Age of Empires, you guys remember that game? AOE two baby. Yeah, yeah. And you had the giant. Uh, siege weapons that were shooting bolts like they were just straight logs into everything. Well, they believe that the Gastrophes was the predecessor. And the way it started was you would mount a larger version of a Gastrophes onto some sort of tripod, if you would, stand. And then they put them up in the walls and they would defend against invaders. Yeah, it's like the idea of what most people think a ballista is. Yes. Yeah. Just absolutely ridiculously large looking crossbow, for lack of a better term, but yeah. Now, crossbows don't shoot arrows. They actually shoot bolts. It's a sturdier arrow, and though it has similar pieces, you know, you have the head, the shaft. <laughs> um, the shaft itself is thicker. What it is, it's a more stable flight. It doesn't go as far, but it's more linear flight. Uh, so, so possibly where the idea of true flight, why it became the weapon skill. Well, in terms, in terms yeah, of the how stability far, is directly related to the girth, right? I was going to say, in terms of how far, it's not about how long it is, it's about how girthy it is. Yeah, we're... Yeah. I'm not proud of myself right now. Oh, I am. Oh, I know you are. I feel like this is going to go from the Lord of the Ranger to the history of sex. Oh, right. if, we, if you want, WTF. we can go there. I've been to the sex museum a couple times in, uh, in Amsterdam. Yeah, unfortunately, we're just a bunch of nerds, so I mean, this is obviously going to happen. But uh, yeah, so I can understand like a a more massive object having more stability because like less things can act on it. So I I mean that makes sense from a like a physics standpoint uh, that that this would be like a, a larger thing because I mean if a machine is firing it and that's effectively what this is at this point it's a machine not the person. Um, then you have Less more options, like as far as yeah, yeah, exactly. Like more options as far as like what you can do to fire this weapon. Like it, you, it's not like limited to the person at this point. Outside of can they point it properly, or at least I assume, like based on so, you know, 
the crossbowman actually does have a limit. It's going to be his ability to draw on the weapon system itself. If he can't draw all the way back, and certain crossbows, they'll have several notches, and that's going to be to be where the strings are going to be released for the firing mechanism. If he can't draw all the way back because he's not strong enough, he's not going to get the most out of velocity or penetration from that bolt itself. Yeah. At the same sense. time, a crossbowman who is drawing at the max draw consistently is going to fatigue himself faster, meaning over time he's not going to be able to get the same draw power and thus velocity, velocity and penetration. I'm actually surprised they didn't have like um, a lever system that was used to uh, to assist in draws and stuff. Like, or maybe they did, and I just had never heard of it. But it would make more sense for that to be the case because obviously there'd be less fatigue. But maybe I'm just like looking at an, an old problem with a modern solution. Although Probably. a lever is a pretty simple thing. Like, I mean, it's not like a lever itself is a modern idea. So you are looking at an old problem with a modern solution that eventually oh. led to the idea or the invention of a, a windlass, which would wound the, the string back. So if you look at ancient crossbows from uh, Greek and Roman time compared to their medieval counterparts you notice that the medieval counterparts have like a hook or uh, a ledge or something in front like a c clamp or a c hook what that actually was was so the crossbowman could step on that angle the crossbow down at the ground but then he can use some sort of mechanical assist to draw that crossbow itself so wait a sec so with as cumbersome as this reload process is the gastro makes no fucking sense in game. Uh, the gastro makes no sense, and the annihilator doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, right, but... <laughs> but we'll get to that one soon. Yeah, but like the 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 gastro is like barrage plus on it, and I think it has like a fairly decent delay. Like none of this sounds like it constitutes a decent delay, nor the ability to fire multiple shots. So, so I don't know why the gastro has, but as technology grew. The crossbow then started becoming more mechanically loaded. So you would either have like a lever to pull it back, you would have a windlass, you would have so like a winder too, right? Where you would just wind it up on the yes, back of the, it. A windlass. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay. Yep, you would have a winder. Sometimes crossbowmen would be in pairs. One would be loading one, the other one would be shooting one. So, you know, hey, Fox, you're you're the crossbowman who's tasked with shooting everything today, and Spicy's just gonna load all your bolts or he'll Prep the crossbow, and you'll put the bolt on before you're ready to fire. Bolt your balls off. That's right. You can fluff my crossbow any day. <laughs> so if I can, I pulled up crossbows on Wiki here for a second, uh, and because it reminded me also of the puppet crossbow. The, you know, because in order to make the sharp shot frame, you have to get a repeating crossbow, which actually has a page here on Wiki where it was a Chinese invention, I suppose. Um, uh, earliest repeating crossbow from the state of Shu in the 4th century BCE. Uh, but it says here from the main article, repeating crossbow, the Zuge Nu is a handy little weapon that even a Confucian scholar or palace woman could use in self-defense, according to Guijin Su Shu Jinsheng. So if you oh. look at the second picture on that wiki page, if you notice in it, it's got a lever towards the back. You have the stock itself and then the lever. The lever is used to pull the string back. There's a box on top that you had multiple bolts in. And this is where the idea of the repeating crossbow came from. Think of it like a 
Maybe like a magazine on a modern firearm. All right, what a magazine for a modern firearm is for people who don't, they've never seen one or they don't understand it, they've only seen it in movies, is what holds the individual rounds themselves. And this allows it to fire consecutively. Now, I say consecutively, but you actually have to prime it, load it, cock it. So this would go into the idea of the old bolt actions that we had in the 1800s, the bolt action rifles. There may have been a five round storage in there. Or uh, your modern shotguns, they have a tube and you have to pump them yep. in order to get the rounds into the chamber. Similar concept. Yeah, that all makes sense. You have to pump it to get your payload out. That's correct. So yeah, I mean, it would make sense that something like this, and that's kind of what I was thinking when I brought up the whole lever thing, because like there are going to be less capable people, and like just the fact that they're saying that this was specifically tailored towards people who obviously didn't lift. Um, Confucian scholars and palace women. Yeah, basically, you know, they they aren't out there like you know throwing rocks over, or over fences and shit. Um, like they're able to use it. So I mean, obviously, this thing's a lot easier to use than like some sort of like belly-mounted Greek monstrosity. And they had those as well in China, where you had to put on a whole framework and and pull like all this bullshit back to launch this powerful ballista of a of a monster bow, but. Uh, it also here has that the drawback of the repeating crossbow is that it has a very limited range, which also suits the puppet because the puppet has a very limited range. Which is actually an interesting point that we're going to touch upon here as soon as we get done talking about the last type of weapons that you see that Ranger commonly use. Keep in mind, I'm going to ignore axes and swords and knives because, you know... We and K-clubs. We all know Negrin... And K-clubs, because we all know Negrin smashing on Ranger is the best way to go. <laughs> I love all the job that shoots bows so I could get up with a K-club and an igly and go... Bah, bah, bah. That's right. I want a job that's made out of actual glass to be in the front line. That sounds <laughs> Paper like skin and glass time. bones. I say as a person who has this Negling set up, by the way. I just never use it. It's just funny because I, when I built a Negling, I also, too, was like, I wonder what this is all about and went out and tried it. I was not prepared for this at all so i had some abysmal numbers and i was like nope never again we're ever playing with ranger this way it just it it goes against the whole like we're in no shortage of damage in this game so why would you want to play in a job just to do that instead like there's a place for mailing on ranger but it's not it's because you don't want to do piercing damage or something not because not because you want to do ultimate deeps by walking up with your you know paper mache bones and just you know <laughs> The main benefit that I see to it is that it gives someone whose only DD is a ranger um, the option of doing something up close like that if it's called for. Um, but again, like I don't know, Have like you ever if, met you, that if you pull, I, I'm just saying that the, theoretically, this is what you use it theoretically, for. Theoretically, I've never met someone whose only job is ranger. Yeah, well, actually, I, I have met someone like that that they were an obvious kill buyer. Oh, oh, oh! Speaking of which, how's that guy getting his Aonics? And uh, the other guy, the one that we mentioned last time, you complained for three days. You haven't listened to this guy talk about how he catch the he can't buy an Aonic or something, whatever it is. Some oh, the only his Imperium weapon. He couldn't buy Imperium weapon. Yeah, yeah, he couldn't buy Imperium. It wasn't a pulse weapon. No, it wasn't a pulse weapon. I couldn't just buy all my chlorid bots. I I don't know. I haven't seen the guy since, Uh, but I have seen him running around because like I've been on um uh, one of my mules clown boat. Um, leveling it for the puppet name. master so I can spam uh, up in arms. Oh yeah, my mules are great. Um, but yeah, I just see him running around and I don't run around with a pearl on or anything, but I saw the dude running around and like he was wearing like full ranger getup or whatever, but 
yeah, so the dude's still on. I just never see him in that shell. And it's funny because, like, nobody in the shell, like, ever does anything with the dude. So nobody understands, like, where he gets anything. <laughs> oh, well, you know. Yeah. So anyway, you also missed the boat there with Clown Boat because after Funkworks appearance there during, what was it, the Bard one we did where he called it a Clown Boner? I, I think uh, <laughs> I think Clown Boner would have been the uh, you know ideal name for a, a mule there. That's fair. Be all the bard that you can be. Oh, talk about names. I had a funny one for you that, that we missed during pre-show. We'll talk about it afterwards. What you thought? Okay. Okay. <laughs> right. We were doing it now. Might as well just do it. No, no, no. We're, de- we're definitely going to talk about this after. Oh, oh okay. Does it, does it, does it trump ham wallet? Uh, it's a very say, sensitive subject. Do you say ham wallet? Yeah, dude. A ham wallet. That's good. It's all about basically the way you name character your mules in Final Fantasy XI can be directly related to how much Bloodhound Gang you listened to back in 2000. And there's just amazing words that they if came up I with. If I could ever make a new mule, I am not even. steeple? No, no, no. I, like, I, I don't want to remove a character to make this name and make another mule and go through all the work. But if I ever had another one, I'd make it the absolute greatest name ever. And I just. I, I, I want to say it, but if I say you can, it, because someone, then someone will take it. Someone yeah. will take it, and it is something no one's going to think of, and it is absolutely freaking perfect. Great. It's every every sort of um, immature kind of like college pot smoking name you can imagine, but also so elegantly simplistic that it's hilarious. So it's like everything that we have done to derail <laughs> this podcast. Yes, so yes, that's that's the element I bring to the table. Is uh, <laughs> Fair. you know. For, for everyone who's not intelligent, I'm your I'm your guy. I'm guilty of it today. Uh, so uh, pointy shafts. Don't don't sell yourself here. short. There. Are we on the uh, the third type yet? Yes, we're on the third type. Okay, okay. Which is firearms, uh, guns. So Chinese chemists created black powder in the ninth century. How this is different from gunpowder is the way it was implemented. Black powder is commonly associated with artillery. Uh, ancient mortar systems where gunpowder is actually intended for shooting projectiles out of a barrel. So they invented black powder and they then later created a fire lance, which is literally what the name states. is a lance with some sort of bamboo and paper barrel at the end of it and it was only to make noise, light, and confusion for the enemy. Because I imagine that's all the enemy wanted to see was a firecracker going off in his face. Yeah, man. Someone comes at me with a, a weird-ass spear, and it just, like, explodes, and I'm not used to that shit happening. Yeah. yeah that'd be super effective. Just yeah. after you with a spear and a roaming candle. Until until you've seen it once, and then you just go up and stab the guy. That's fair. I'd imagine the sound was probably more fearful than the the giant explosion of fire just smoking out of you gotta think you've never seen something like this before you've finally seen this on the battlefield you don't know if there's some sort of magical mystical voodoo behind it or if the guy just flew too early yeah it happens to everyone softball so (laughs) that's the whole reason i threw it engineers after a while realized like hey these bamboo barrels are starting to warp or they're starting to break after continuous use they're fucking bamboo exactly so what they started to do was they started making what we knew as a metal barrel. Uh, this is, if you come in to firearms, this is no more than a pipe. 
There's no rifling. There's nothing to make a projectile go out of it. All it's intended to do is harness the power of that explosion and that noise, that light, that concussive blast to continue to scare everybody around you, but not break the barrel itself. So what you're saying is they've gone from a substandard bulging shaft of bamboo to now laying pipe. Correct. Yes. Okay. And if you also, look at the picture, it looks exactly the way you think it does. Of course it does, of course. Oh, I don't know what and picture we're this, talking about, but... So this has to be, like, the most dangerous weapon to the wielder that has probably ever come out of it. You don't know where it's been. Yeah, dude. Because, like, you're basically holding a pipe bomb that's supposed to open at one end. I'd imagine that if this was implemented in a game, it'd probably be more useless than a man down. Yeah. Ooh, well, you know. It's a tall order, but probably true. As a 50-50 chance it might hit the enemy, as a 50-50 chance it might blow back in your face. Yeah, I would not want to be one of the people using this thing. That's for sure. Well, it gets better. Because as it continued and metallurgy got a little bit better, they soon invented the hand cannon. So instead of being on the edge of a six-foot pole, well, now it's in your hand. <laughs> yeah, of course. Something, uh, something exploded in your hand, something, something. Uh... <sighs> Oh man, you're gonna have a, a lot of fun editing all the silence out from us giggling. Oh, I don't edit anything. Right. It's just it's it's in. That's it. Oh, okay. I don't change any of that. The computer computer overloaded. Uh, hand cannons at the time they weren't like cannons that we know. Uh, you got a cannonball. You throw you know your powder in there. You throw your charge. Throw the cannonball in there. What was actually used first was anything they could grab. Rocks, pebbles, nails, woods, anything like that. Much like in, in a blunderbuss of the 1500s. It wasn't until... Sketchy. Oh yeah, real sketchy. You put powder in there, you packed it with something, and you said, I hope it doesn't come back in my face. It wasn't until later that we start then using actual formalized projectiles. Trying to maintain the secrets of black powder until the 12th century. And that's when we start seeing it move across the world through... The Silk Road makes its way into the Middle East, and then it makes its way into Europe. All right, and I assume that what this is this is where we're taking our uh, our divergence over to Corsair because that's what like death penalty modeled after is like this kind of idea. A hexagon. Yes. Uh, no, hexagon is actually based off of what is known as a pepper box, which is a multi-barrel weapon system. We'll touch upon that here a little bit later. Uh, but yes, death penalty. Would be something like that, more of a blunderbuss. There was uh, back in the seventy-five days. There's a massive hand cannon, like you had one type of ammo for it. Thank you. Yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah, insanely expensive gun, insanely expensive ammo to fire. At least in game, I imagine it may not be the same in real life. But... I, I mean, yeah, when I'm I stuffing mean... dirt and rocks in there, like anything is free, I guess. Yeah. So now. Over the next 400 years until the end of the 1300s, as these hand cannons, as black powder is making its way from the east to the west, not only are they starting to formulate actual rifles in China, but anywhere that's getting their hands on, on this explosive powder, they're starting to think the same way. Is there any way I can get some sort of projectile in a barrel object and make it go further? Uh, there's written reports of Middle Eastern conflicts against the Mongols as they went east, and then uh, from European merchants. You know, and the European merchants took this and they continued to develop matchlock and flintlock muskets and pistols. 
uh, the idea of yes, like Corsairs, like Corsairs, the they have a matchlock pistol or they have a a pepper box, which is a multi-barrel pistol, which either you can shoot one barrel at a time or you can shoot all six of them. So the hex guns that they had. Yeah, there's a. Um, you actually don't see it, get to see that one too often. Um, most of the time, like nobody really thinks that 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 multi-barrel option was like really a thing. Um, but there's actually uh, there's actually like a few like 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 nerd related things really where like you'll see that come up in like fiction. You won't know if that's like myth or not. And yeah, it is actually a real thing. The it's other like, oh, no, the other commonly used thing for those those multi-barreled guns or guns of different or I'm sorry, uh, projectiles of different calibers. So one could have been, you know, eight millimeter, another one would be a seven millimeter. Each one of them would have a purpose and how you would fire it. Uh, you've seen this a lot in in Western guns in the eighteen hundreds. Uh the French tend to design these as well in the eighteen hundreds. We're probably not gonna talk about them here. Because again, I wrote this more of covering, hey, what's the idea of what would be in line of technology in that ideal and yeah. how would it relate to current days? Uh, starting in the 14th century, you start seeing the paper cartridge and it's used until the 1590s. And what this was, was a way to carry your ammunition, your primer, your powder, any means to fire that bullet, that pistol or that rifle. and this is probably where Van Deal's at right now. We're probably not at cased weapons with metal casings and all that. We're probably at paper cartridges, slow-loading rifles, either breech-loaded or muzzle-loaded. We're not at the point where it's, hey, I got a bunch of rounds. I'm just going to slap them in a bag and there we go. We're going to town. Well, there's only one gun in the game that even looks like a rifle. Like The rest of them all look like shotguns. And then there's one that... It looks like a fish. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, the awkward one. Yeah. So I said we were going to come back to this, and I know we touched upon this a little bit before when we talked about, hey, what if I just shot straight up into the air? What if I shot 45 <laughs> degrees? But the distance correlation, remember when that came into effect in that update? Yeah, yeah. It was a, uh, a, a way to nerf Ranger in a way to make sure that they're um, playing Ranger, basically, instead of playing melee that, that shoots. Yes. Square Enix actually implemented, whether we agree with it or not, they actually implemented the system to reflect what we've seen out of modern or most accuracy, or I'm sorry, what we've seen most weapon types have accuracy wise during this time. So roughly from the 17 or the 15th to the 1700s. Because guns, their barrels weren't rifled. They didn't have grooves in them to cause rotation in, in the barrel. It was all smoothbore. They weren't very accurate. Uh, short bows were a little bit better. You know, we anticipate most guns were being accurate out to 50 meters. Uh, short bows, you're dealing with maybe 75. Crossbows, you're getting about 100 at best. At that point, because the bolt is slowing down, you're going to start losing velocity. Long bows, we're looking at. I've seen anywhere between 150 to 200 meters based off the type of longbow and then who was using it. But if you think about, hey, what's the distance correction for guns at 6.5 yams, uh, short bows yeah. at 8.6, you know, crossbows at 10.7 potatoes and longbows at 
they so, may be tubers, but they are not uh, potatoes, yams. I'm sorry. But there is a correlation between what they picked and how it reflected at that time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, um, if the gun doesn't have any rifling, and that was the biggest thing that we saw, um, usually anyone who is like remembers anything they learned from like the Civil War um, in school, like if you're, if you're from the US, um, usually you have to take like classes on the Civil War around like fifth, sixth grade, that sort of thing. Depends on what um, state you're in. It can be quite a yeah. issue. But but I, I'm not worried about the the education system. I'm I'm just worried about like what what you actually learn in it and um, like when when they would fire those because it fires a ball and like there's no rifling or anything like it has like no accuracy at any longer range or anything. So the the idea is that it's not going to do as much damage as a shot that's more accurate, which is not necessarily true because I mean you could just like luck out and it used to like blow people's like limbs off and stuff like amputations were real. Yeah, it, it would like just completely destroy you. If you got hit by one of these these giant balls, but um, <laughs> that, was, that, was, that wasn't even well. Visible. At least there's no wobbling yeah. of the shaft while the head stayed in place during firing. It was just pure balls to the face. Now, if you don't remember, MythBusters did a thing: was is it possible to get pregnant by being shot through the testes? Because the idea of the son of a gun from Civil War. Oh, how would you? If someone blew your ball up, oh, whatever, crit your balls off. Let's just <laughs> what a. What a road! <laughs> it's a bumpy one. But yeah, the um, the gun thing definitely makes sense though, because you know if there's no rifling, you're not gonna have like any kind of accuracy, and it's gonna be less effective, uh, obviously. Um, so I mean, a lot of those those ranges do make sense. Um, I don't really know the performance of like crossbows and stuff, so I'll definitely take your word for it that it, it kind of matches the rest of it. But the gun thing always made sense to me, like as far as where its distance correction was. Going forward, we're gonna hit those things that you said. Hey, you missed. No, oh, the Hastings. I actually know lore in this. So, like, as much as I'm not an expert in this context, when I and I'm not an expert in that context, I'm about to mention as well. When we get to Hastings, I actually know relevant lore slash history. Okay, I'll I'll let you take over for that one then. No, 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 no. you can do your you do your thing, and then I'll just add. Sounds right. So, in the early second millennium BC, roughly around 1600 to all the way up to the 19th century. In China, uh, they valued their archers much the same way that we value, or say we, Europeans valued knights. You know, everybody thinks the knight is, is really good with a sword. He is... He was just a noble with money. Yeah, he's a noble. Well, that's what he ended up being. I but, you know, he's over-romanticized. He's, he's on a cause. He's good with a sword. He's going to fight for what's just. He's got a code. It's just noble people being noble people. To an extent. Yeah. But ancient Chinese had seen archers the same way as Europeans had seen success with the sword. They viewed success with bows similarly. And you've seen at this time that a lot more of the Chinese infantrymen were equipped with bows of various forms, whether it was recurve, reflex, but they were all using bows. Uh, it was not uncommon that if you were in some sort of royalty or position of status, that you had to be very accurate with a bow, whether it was on uh, the back of a horse, from a carriage, while standing, much like we expected European knights to be able to fight under various conditions. Now, Europe had also used their archers a similar way. Uh, European armies of this time, they integrated archers within the standard line infantry 
those using halberds and spears. The cavalry, so anyone who wasn't of status and had a horse and could pretend to fight, they were on the outsides. So they were protecting all the guys not on horses from attacks. It wasn't until the Battle of Hastings did we ever see something implemented to the extent where the archers were put up front, they were allowed to engage and then retreat behind the infantry in order for the enemy to be drawn into the infantry, the those halberds, those spears, those swordsmen. At the same time, while they had uh, withdrawn and replaced them or displaced them themselves, they were able to then keep the same distance. So if they were fairly practiced at shooting at distance, now they had moved. They had the enemy within that same distance. They were able to accurately engage the enemy at that point. You want to jump in, Spicy? Okay, so I've always loved history since the History Channel used to not just be uh, Hitler and then not just be aliens and guys finding stuff they put in a barn somewhere <laughs> in, in, the, in the countryside so they can no go. History. Yeah, no history. And or before, sea monsters. Before it was guys on the ice in big trucks driving stuff. And then, oh my God, there's a woman trucker now. Let's tune into this season. Um, you know, when it was actually history. So in English class, when you first learned about the Battle of Hastings, for whatever reason, it was an English class. Uh, I don't know if that was what you guys had as well. I don't know if you guys even learned about Hastings in, in school. Did you guys? No? I don't know if it was in my English class. It was in my English class because uh, it was something around the time of literature. And uh, I think it was along the lines of Anglo-Saxon poetry or something. I had a good English teacher. Fox, you know? I think my education system failed me. Well, it is America. And I was right across the river from you. Fox? No? Mm-hmm. He said to live. Oh, did he? For a bit. Get the message. Oh, 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 oh. I, didn't, I was looking at stuff. I have to be RB. Oh, okay. So we'll assume that Fox, being from his area, did not learn about it. Anyway, I learned about it in, in school, and I was fascinated with the Battle of Hastings because just for some reason certain elements of history fascinate me and this is one that i was like wow i want to know more about that so there's many things that people have seen that have captured the imagination that are based on historical events that also tie into 11 in various ways so everyone who ever watched uh vikings you know the last good thing the history channel ever made they have uh rollo who uh you know went to raid the french and out of that uh, gained the lands that became Normandy, you know, Norman lands, Northman lands, you know, essentially break down the Norse language for, you know, how you name a land. It's the land of the, the people from that place. So what's cool is uh, the island of Jersey is part of Normandy off of their coast there, which everyone knows Normandy for obvious reasons. And that is the place that gave the name of New Jersey because that is the original Jersey. So that's fun. So the Battle of Hastings Essentially, England had been free for about less than 25 years. They had been ruled by uh, Canute, which was uh, from essentially, you know, Scandinavia. If you've ever watched Vinland Saga on Amazon, which is, you know, there's not too many good things in Amazon Prime, but they have that anime. It's actually very good. I like it a lot. Uh, that is the Canute of that time period. So England's free for less than 25 years. The king of England dies. Um, he has no heir. He has a brother-in-law, uh, King Harold. Don't know if he had more name than King Harold. I could look it up. but So King Harold uh, decides, well, I'm just going to take the throne then. But 
William the Conqueror, who was, you know, uh, king of Normandy because there was no nation at the time. Uh, it was essentially a fiefdom of the French, you know, kingdom. But, uh, you know, there was no real sense of a nation that came much in a more modern sense. They didn't see themselves so much as French. They saw themselves as Normans or what have you. Uh, so he decides, is you know, the history, according to them, is that he was promised it by the English king, uh, Edward. Um, Edward the Confessor. And the word is, I was promised that. I'm going to come, and that's mine now. Uh, but the brother-in-law of Edward, King Harold, said, no, oh, no, I'm his brother-in-law. I'm taking all of England. So before the Battle of Hastings had even happened, uh, the uh, William the Conqueror, who is actually what the Conqueror is named for in game, and actually why I imagine the weapon skill is named King's Justice, because he had already taken the English throne before the Battle of Hastings. Um, so I imagine that's why, if, if the lore is correct that he was promised England before the death of Edward the Confessor, that would be King's Justice. So, uh, so the English throne is taken, but you have to eliminate the threat to your throne, uh, which is, you know, King Harold at that point, because the English were following him, not some guy from across the ocean. But the problem is, the Danes or the Norwegians, what was it? That king was invading at the same time. So King Harold had gone and won that battle in the north and then decided to march immediately without stopping to go meet William the Conqueror, which is where he was then shot. I believe he was shot with an arrow at that battle, if I remember correctly, and killed. And that is how, um, at that point, England no longer became England, so all these people love England so much, it became essentially a fiefdom of France, and the modern English language comes from, probably well, why this is English class, the modern English language comes from the combination of Anglo-Saxon and French that became the de facto language of England at that point, thanks to the Battle of Hastings and the, you know, William the Conqueror coming out on top there. Interesting. Very interesting. It's, history is amazing. But yes, uh, Vinland Saga is very good, as is Vikings, so. Yeah, maybe I'll watch that. Look for another show to watch. Which one? The anime? Yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah, it was uh, Karen. I watched it. We liked it. Different art style, uh, everything. Very good. So, yes. Like a revenge plot or whatever. But yeah, yeah, going on. Yeah, so yes, that was, that was me going on about little to do with Eleven lore, but tying into Eleven with that, and also just talking about rather important elements of history. Yeah, I'd say so. That's language defining. It's a huge thing. So I guess we should talk about what everybody loves to talk about the most. Sun Tzu? The art of I was, was going to say Remos, but yeah, uh, we're, uh, we can talk about the art. I thought we were going back to the shaft and balls. Uh, no. I hope not. Not at all. Even though I'm partially to blame. <laughs> Only partially. You could say you're just the tip of the iceberg. You're not wrong. What a low hanging fruit here. So, Sun Tzu actually does talk about archers in the art of war. And he talks about their implementation. Uh, ironically, Talks about when setting up camp, you want to set archers in an ambuscade. <laughs> yeah, All right. and I was like, <laughs> I was like, how? I was like, I feel like I missed something. Like, must be the soul flare this month. Failed me. Yeah, so far it's like the least used job in ambuscade. But continue. <laughs> so ambuscade actually means ambush. Well, it looks like ambush, so ambuscade would sound yeah. like the action of ambushing, or the noun of an ambush, because an ambush is an action, I imagine. Right and. And upon that, I was like, that just seems weird, because though ambush and skirmishing tactics were a thing, you wouldn't use them for such a large force, especially the way Sun Tzu was writing about moving militaries and moving vast armies. And then that's when I realized, like, he's talking about scouts. 
And he's talking about what we now know as scouts. Like, you want that forward element to be able to alert the rest of your buddies, your friends, your your military, whoever it be, hey, someone's coming. And at that time, too, surveying the strength of a force was incredibly important because there's no, there's no UAV up in the sky, okay? Yeah, for real. And you don't know like what directions they're coming from, right? And then also it can determine based on what the forces are comprised of, like what kind of field you want to engage them on too, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, there's there is battle considerations on hey, what does the enemy force consist of? And then there's also considerations logistically of what does the enemy force consist of. Because if you're withdrawing or if you're advancing, but you have an enemy force in tow, you don't want to leave things that he's gonna find a logistic value. We've seen this in ancient Roman times where if they knew they had an enemy force that was going to follow them as they were, and they may have not been retreating, they may have just been going home, they would pillage everything around them and burn whatever they didn't take. Scorched earth. Yes. So again, scouts, though they weren't going to fight and they weren't always doing reconnaissance for fighting purposes, the reconnaissance was always intel driven. How do we find something? What are we looking for, and how does this affect us? Sun Tzu also writes in The Art of War, depending on what translation you use, uh, he uses crossbows metaphorically. Uh, the way that you, you stay tightly wound, up, or tightly wound up, and then you release in a quick snap. And if you think about that, it's, the idea is you've got to be prepared for whatever happens, so when it finally happens, you're ready to react. And again, he writes this metaphorically because the way he wrote it, he wrote it not only for leaders to lead a military, but he also wrote it for leaders to almost live a certain lifestyle. What would the lifestyle be? Because I understand that concept. You need to, you can't lead if you don't live. So he writes the book, not only talking about maneuvers and thinking tactically, but when he we talk about living this lifestyle, uh, this idea of being a nowadays they call it like this warrior poet, this scholar, this warrior scholar, uh, along the lines of not only someone who's willing to lead, but also willing to learn and listen. And these were other things he brought up in, in the book. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like um, rather than getting caught up in the pride of your own military prowess like it's an ever-evolving um, thing that you have to continuously learn like you can't always assume that you're on like the top of the world like as far as you know your 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 might as you would approach it in any particular way um, but instead you have to be able to be open to the idea that you may have to adapt to something that you may not always have the upper hand like is that is that what we're getting at yes in, exactly. in his writing that does so much relate to the. I actually game, haven't read it. Yes, so. it is right. I'm just familiar. I haven't read it either. I've always, I've always wanted to, but I've just never done it because I don't do things I want to do. Fair. That's because you're trying to hide from people who are trying to find you. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm just gonna. You know, my doorbell doesn't even work. So <laughs> if, they, if they can ring the doorbell, no one's gonna answer. It's like that Rockwell song. Someone's watching me. <laughs> okay, so can we talk about earning Daddy's love this week? Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, go I feel for like it. nothing's complete unless we talk about Daddy's love. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Is this K-Club shit? Uh, this is Rima shit, but, I mean, we can turn this into K-Clubs. No, no. Well, I mean, you're also a ranger. I mean, like, worst case, you can also throw some riddles on some shit, too. Oh, shit, son. Oh. All about that. 
Can't mess with my flow. Jenny's a fat bitch. Wow. <laughs> All right, so ultimate weapons. Uh, so we're going to go... We'll go the standard route of Rima, or I'm sorry, Relic, Mythic, and Pyrian, even though I have them written in a different order. Okay, yeah, no worries. I have a lot of these. I don't have all of them, but um, yeah, I'm pretty familiar with how all of these work, for sure. The reason we're doing this is because I just want to, I want to hit this one right off the bat. Fair. Uh, the Annihilator, your Relic yeah. weapon. The Relic, the relic gun. So Also probably a big dildo name, too. Eh, <laughs> Probably, but like, that one's just not even clever. It's just... It's just, I think it's literally a name. Knows. I wasn't yeah. even... Not even necessarily for the sake of being funny. It's just, you know, it's probably, you know, to keep with the theme, it's probably definitely a consumer yeah. item. Okay. So, the actual real-world Annihilator <laughs> is a Thompson machine gun, or Thompson submachine gun, designed by Brigadier General John T. Thompson in 1918. The project itself was dubbed the Annihilator 1 project, and the intent was... Like we talked about before, in World War One, we had trench warfare. The front was, yes, it was moving, but because everybody was digging in, it was moving ever so slowly. What Thompson had realized was the Allied forces, is they're fighting with bolt-action bolt guns, maybe small-capacity guns. You know, you got five rounds and you got to reload it. And I, he wanted something that they could use in close quarters and trench warfare that fired very rap rapidly. So he designs this machine gun. Now everybody knows the Thompson submachine gun. Because I'm sure you guys know the Tommy gun. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The Tommy gun, though is actually gained infamy for being used in organized crime and criminal and by criminals in the nineteen twenties, it was also used by various police organizations and militaries until World War II. So we all know World War One ended in 1918. Unfortunately, Thompson couldn't get the mass production of his gun out in time, but it did see use. And they probably oh. paid for it, so as in the, the government probably paid to buy them. So, yes, I'm sure there's a contract out there somewhere. How this relates to the in-game Annihilator? Uh, it doesn't, because the Annihilator has just a little bit lower of a delay compared to other guns, especially in the 75 era. Yeah, it's true. We would figure something that was intended to be very fast would have a lower delay, but it's and not the case. Also, keep in mind the need of the Annihilator project here for the Tom the Thompson gun. I don't want to call it the Tommy gun, but it just sounds silly. Uh, for the Thompson was because they were literally using clubs in World War One in the trenches. They would get a piece of wood or whatever they can get and like put some... There's a lot of barbed wire, but they just put whatever metal they could around it, and they went... When you get in the club, the, in the trenches there or whatever, after a poison gas attack, when you had people that were kind of just, you know, just, you just killed them. Um, you know, they had knives and stuff, but, you know, it's much more effective and as, as good as a knife can be in close combat to have a, a big freaking club to beat someone with. So they were using clubs in, when they were raiding trenches because they're, you know, these rifles are not. These trenches are not suited for rifles. They're, the trenches are built also. Sharpen shovels. Yeah, sharpen shovels, you know, but. The trenches were built in ways that curved so that you could be in them when they're being taken over and be in, uh, you know, one of the little nooks there and down a trench and down a, a corner or whatever. And you could shoot at the people coming at you. But you're, you know, when in terms of fighting, these are still narrow trenches. You're not, you know, you can't wave a gun around to beat someone with and, you know, 
So the clubs are what they use in those trenches oftentimes as the shovels and anything else they can get their hands on to kill someone with. So, I mean, needing a, the Thompson gun is like a really, you know, close to body kind of agile rotating gun there. It's short barreled and everything just for that purpose. So that's exactly why you would need something like that. And it's funny in game too, um, the Annihilator's delay. In fact, the, the Annihilator's like base skeleton isn't even unique among the Remas. Yeah. There's another gun that we'll end up talking about in a bit that uh, has the exact same damage delay ratio. So, I mean, it's not even special in that regard. Like, when if you're trying to compare it to, like, what made the Tommy gun the thing, you know? So, yeah, I, I honestly don't know where that, that mess came from. I think SE just kind of, like, reached into a hat and was like, this is, this is a good gun name. We'll, we'll go with that. Yeah, and sometimes SE just chooses names for the sake of the name. I don't think they always... Like, I'm sure in some ways, like, we, we talked about how they tied the lore of the rough range of time of the weapons for the rough period from, what, the 17 to 1800s, you said it was? Uh, in yes. game, they they kind of made them make sense in that terms of crossbows have less range than than bows, but more range than guns. Kind of, you know, they make it make sense in various ways with delay and stuff they take into account and balance it accordingly. But not everything is going to be, you know, this sensible. is this is also still a point where SE chose mechanics over flavor, um, because the rest of the the things that make annihilator, why you get it, you know, um, make no sense because like if you if you see someone you know, shooting a Tommy gun, let's say you're dealing with like trench warfare or something like that, you're obviously going to notice that person, right? But the uh, the Annihilator and its associated weapons, so Koronok, which you haven't talked about yet, um, it's very specific in its ability to um, control enmity. Um, the gun itself has a lot of negative enmity on it, and then the weapon skill itself, uh, or at least it does when you have Aftermath, uh, and the weapon skill itself is a fixed hate, um, and it's it's very low fixed hate for people who don't know exactly why an Annihilator is awesome. Uh, so you can fly into the radar, which is is not even close to what you would get out of like a situation where like you're being assailed by a Tommy gun. So it just doesn't it just doesn't make sense at all. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's like super far from the mark. So yep. the JP wiki has a different they just take the name of Annihilator itself, not the project Annihilator for the Thompson gun, although that would make much more sense because it's a gun for a gun. But in JP Wiki, the rough translation, since it's Japanese to English by Google, is uh, Annihilator, the Annihilator, uh, in the sense that nothingness, uh, Nile, and, uh, or Nil, uh, in the occupied, uh, yeah, like of the Metsu. occupied persons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. It's, it's just like Metsu, like Metsu, yeah. that's the meaning for that too. Yep. So then that would actually work and explain why the associate weapon skill is named Kornok. Because Kornok is a funeral dirge. It's a song or it's played on bagpipes when you perform a funeral. So if you're thinking about nil or nothing, that would make sense because in certain places, the end is that's it. It's the end. You live your life and there was nothing else afterwards. You know, Correct. obviously certain regions have different beliefs and everybody has different beliefs, but there are some places where, again, you pass on and that's it. Back to dust you go. Sometimes you offhand the best weapons. Sometimes your mom gets reincarnated as a cow. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, so Annihilator. Um, sweet gun, but the Japanese translation does make a lot more sense than drawing the conclusion that it was um, yeah. based off of the Thompson machine gun, that's for sure. Although that, that honestly, while that may not have been the parallel, that's a damn good parallel for a ranger weapon. That's much better than to mean, you know, nothing. 
Yeah, it's true. Like, I, I honestly, it makes more sense that it would be like a famous gun design. Like, it obviously does, but just the fact that it hits no other mark is just baffling. <laughs> yeah, the JP Wiki says it is ironic that the Annihilator sings a funeral song because yeah. Kornak is a funeral song. Yeah. I also like the like the, the poetry of how they say that too. That it sings the poet that it sings the funeral song. That's pretty that's pretty yeah, cool. It says it is ironic weapon skill that the Annihilator sings a funeral song. I <laughs> I wonder and, and maybe we can get um Ferris to chime in on this. The kanji? Maybe there's something about the kanji that relates the two together. And it just got lost in translation when, when the localization team brought it over. Oh, like if it has the exact same kanji as Metsu? Yeah, or there, there's something like the way they breaks down. I, I don't speak Japanese. I don't write it. I don't know anything about it. Yeah. So he may be able to chime in on this saying, hey, here's... I was going to I was gonna add him and see, but he's not online and it's midnight. So I don't want to like... If he was like away or online or something, I'd bother him. But yeah, it's, I know we'll it's, I know it's the weekend, but you know, I, I got to... I got it's not that important. Like before with Martell or something when we brought him into the mythic one unexpectedly without any sort of like, hey, you wanna come on? You know, just hey, get on. Um you know, he was out and about. He was out and about and it was, you know, it was fine for him. So uh it was various isn't even online right now, but otherwise I'd bother. It was more important is what I'm getting at too. This is kind of just like a curiosity. Uh so the next one is gonna be the mythic Gashapitis. Um The belly releaser. I was going to say, can we just blow through this since we talked about this? Sorry. Yeah, pretty much. All right. If that's the, next the one job is... you want to blow through, then. <laughs> sure. Uh, the next one is going to be the Imperium Armageddon. Wait, wait, you just skipped Gastrophes already? Or Gastrophetes? Yeah. We talked about it during yeah, Crossbow. Yeah, we, yeah we blew but, right through. but, you know, do we use it at all in game? No, I know we did. The next one. I just, it just felt bad to skip the, uh, you know, it's such a cool looking weapon. There are a lot of, th- there are a lot of people who think that Dynamis Wave 3 can only be done with a Gastrophetes, which is really fucking sad. Why? Why would they think that? Because they, they think that true flighting things to death is the only way to do Wave 3. Well, there's so, there's, dude, there's, a, there's an do alarming they not number of people. not R15 death penalty? I, I don't know, man. But I, I think they also add that to the list, but, but there, there's a surprising number of people who don't think that Wave 3 can be done with anything else. I do think death penalty is probably the, the best-named lore weapon uh, not that it's a Corsair one, because obviously piracy, the penalty for it was death. So to have a gun yeah. as a pirate was a death penalty. So that's, you know, it, it's freaking, it's a great name. And I think really we do. Is. I, I'm, I'm really liking this lore episode. I think we're finding our groove with these lores. Also, especially because the guests prepared quite an astounding outline and apparently their friends even Shoot. helped them. So props to all of your friends on Bahamut who helped you with this as well, because this has been, this has been very well done, honestly, in terms of how things have gone for us otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. So the next weapon is going to be the Imperial Weapons Armageddon. Yep. The so most I, understood um, of the weapons. I found a little bit more information on this after I sent you guys a note, so just bear with me. Yeah, no problem. All right. So it's based on the 1998 movie starring Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck, Liv Tyler, and the love <laughs> oh. <laughs> I believe it. The one where the okay. animal cracker does something sexual. Yeah, actually. I think that's part of the in-game quest line, too. That was better than uh, Batman, so, you know. Alright, so the movie follows a group of Voidal drillers who discover an asteroid destined to smash that subscribe button <laughs> on Earth and attempt to stop it. <laughs> wow. You know, All right, they so- also have one more request. <laughs> they don't want to pay taxes for the rest of their lives if they do this. <laughs> okay, that's right. <laughs> yes. 
I forgot. <laughs> that was, you know... Imagine filling out that exemption. That is similarly as good in quality as the movie The Core. Oh god, I forgot about that movie. Check out. This is Check how we do it in Russia. This is Russian method. And he just starts beating shit with, you know, this is how we do it. It's a giant beat. wrench. Yeah, he starts beating shit and it actually works. Just Checkbox 1138. Just beat very... a nuclear device on an asteroid. Yeah, beat... beat. <laughs> Beat very sensitive space equipment with a wrench, and it'll, it'll just work. Movie said so. Okay. I had to throw that in there. I was listening to all the old episodes. Well, at least it wasn't Gravity. This week. That horrible, horrible movie. This week, and I just remember Fox just kept throwing the hey, like and subscribe button on there. So I was like, I gotta throw this I in was there. the one that said, uh, with a Lamian common, like and comment below. Jeez. That wasn't even Fox. Okay. Talk about Daddy's Love. Can't even remember me. Jeez. Yeah, right. I said in the old episodes, not recently. Oh, okay. Jeez. Everybody's got to be a critic. Oh, yeah, I can't wait to see the comments. So, <laughs> I guess this is another gun that kind of lost its way, because reading what you wrote about it in the outline, like, I, I, don't, I don't see how it relates to the in-game version in any capacity. Uh, neither do I, and... To be honest, I think it's just the actual well, lore itself. I, I don't it's think the same as Annihilator. It's just Armageddon is a Actually, word like Annihilator. I guess if you look at like the Abyssia content that it comes from, like you're 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 supposed to be fighting like the demonic armies of hell. Like if you like, like assuming like the world failed, right? So I guess in that sense, like the Armageddon being the gun that comes from its intended use of fighting demonic armies in hell. I guess that kind of makes sense. Well, it's like if I'm going to like do my stretches, but I don't think it lost its yeah, way because and... sorry to cut you off again, Zom. Um, as I continue to do it, uh, because if you think about Annihilator as we covered before and then apply it to Armageddon and then look at the weapon skill, if you consider the Bruce Willis movie as well, it actually ties into this. If you want to take how we interpret the words and the meaning. Armageddon in that case was a like a, a common a meteor destroying falling from Earth. It's Armageddon is like the cat, a catastrophe, like the end of something almost. And the way the weapon skill fires off, it has essentially like like a, a, a giant uh, asteroid is burning up in the atmosphere. It has like that sort of like uh, entry sort of burn on it before it launches out what you could assume is a asteroid of a weapon skill. So it, it kind of looks like an asteroid is descending out from the weapon itself when you fire it. So in terms of calling it yeah. Armageddon, that kind of, to me, is how it ties into it. And Bruce Willis. It's, it's a, well, I mean, I think it, it ties more towards the Bruce Willis side of things, because this thing is basically just a fucking space laser that has no <laughs> excuse to be in this game. It looks like one, too. It doesn't look like a freaking gun. It looks like a, you know, something out of, like, Halo. So once upon a time, Armageddon was used to uh, kill Shinryu. Like, you would, uh, you would have the Arma, you would brew, and then you would kill Shinryu with it. Like, that was the the big YouTube video of the time. Um, it was a long time ago. Um, but outside of that, like, Arma now is, like, like most Imperial weapons, it's, like, favored for its white damage. And now that we have Hovershot, the damage from Arma's white damage is actually really respectable. But it's hard to use in most situations because, like, you actually have to have content where you can actually maximize that. So, like, I see people ask about you know, should I make an Arma or should I make something else? And I usually tell them not to bother making the Arma until they have other options. Um, because when I when I use my Arma, it's extremely rare. And honestly, 
most of the time the foam or the foam is either going to do better or my annihilator is going to do better because I need I'm on ranger because I'm trying to control hate like Arma doesn't do any of those things Arma generates a fuck ton of hate um, Arma it has a fixed hate weapon skill still like wildfire does control a little bit of hate that way but you typically only use that on like mobs where you want to deal magic damage but they're they have dark resistance and it's it, basically the, the reason this is so long-winded is because this weapon is so incredibly niche that usually the other options will edge it out unless you specifically plan for it. So, I mean, this, this weapon is as awkward to tie into the lore as it is to try to tie into a strategy. It's always been more of a Corsair weapon. Yeah. It feels like it. Yeah. Well, I've definitely since, used it more on Especially Corsair. since Ranger got Gandiva as well. So it got two, Imperians there, so it always felt like more of a Corsair weapon that they just gave to Ranger as well. Yeah, yeah, because uh, because reasons, right? Yeah. Honestly, if they gave it's better for hate. And, and here's the thing that, that a lot of samurais complain about, and is it's a weapon that we'll talk about in a, in a sec. But there's a bow that should have also been given to Samurai the same way, reason that or the same way that Armo was given to Ranger that the, fail not. the bow. Well, no, 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 not the fail not the um, uh, Gandiva. When we go to talk about that. Um, that actually should have been Ranger and Sam for the same reason that Arma is Ranger and Core. Like, if you look at that same sort of thing. But I, I don't know. That's just always been my opinion on it. That would have been super... I know we're not there yet, but that would have been... We're probably not going to touch on Samurai when we get there. Well, I guess you will. You just said you would. Um, yeah. It would have been super interesting because at the time of Abyssia, Samurai was not the flavor of the month due to a lack of crit weapon skills. So if you were able to crit with Sam with Gandiva, that would have been an era of great, you know... Just new. Yeah, it would have been yeah. just a great memory of like, member guys? You know, of when Samurai using a bow was the best thing it could use. Yeah, it's like a huge missed opportunity. And, you know, now that I've significantly derailed off of the... No, it's relevant. Somewhat mess that is Armageddon. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, Armageddon is a strong weapon when it's strong. Like, it's real strong. Well, but to say it's a strong it's, weapon when it's strong doesn't give any context, Fox. Yeah, and, well, that's that's exactly the context that I want to give, too, is that you have to, you have to plan around this thing. Otherwise, it's going to be suboptimal most of the time. Well, I mean, it's not going to be so far behind. It's not like you're using Mandau. So, right, right. I mean, honestly, if you built appropriately and it was in the right situation, especially if you can use the weapon skill appropriately, uh, I think there's a it's, case for just using it even, you know, unless you're in our body or something where you're pressed and got to do more damage. Most of the time you could just use it because you fucking feel it like has it. outside of the plus 50 agility, because like every Imperium weapon has some sort of outlandish like plus 50 stat on it. Well, plus 70 and 70 agility plus 20 when it's R15 plus strength strength. Um, Outside of that, it has the exact same stats as the Annihilator. Like, it's it's a uh, a base damage 143 gun with a 582 delay. Like, they're both exactly the same. That's what I was talking about before. Uh, the Arma does slightly more damage than the Annihilator does. Like, it's it's not even by, like, a whole lot. Um, it, it, it shoots last stand better than the Annihilator does because of the plus 50 agility. But it's not... I don't know. It, every time that I've used it, it's felt really underwhelming unless I can really take advantage of white damage. So, and with it being so niche, I, I just had to make some sort of editorial on that. If there was a situation in which Ranger got more TP bonus gear, uh, such as having uh, Shiva's uh, Crystal Blessing out on top of the earring, if there's a situation in which you could just keep a decent level of aftermath up with the gun uh, without taking too much of a hit, maybe the white damage on that without you know rank uh not having am up could yeah. you could you if you had enough tp bonus could you not make good use of the gun and its agility bonus over formal lock you could 
you you absolutely could. That's, like like that's the gun, the gun is fine. It's got future at high TP. Yeah, yeah, and, and this is another situation. Like like this, you have to build around it. That's that's the thing I'm talking about. Like you can't just bring it into like all content like a lot of these other weapons and just kind of do fine because of the way the weapon skills work. Like this one right here. Like if you make all these considerations towards it and you you treat it gently and you have a plan for how you're going to deal with the amount of hate that you're going to pull with it, then you're good, but it, it kind of feels counterintuitive to every reason that you would bring a ranger to content, unless you're just one of those meta chasers who just wants to fire, you know, true flights at, at wave three mobs. Well, hold on. Also, Fencer would give you that TP bonus from single wielding sub warrior, right? I don't know. I think so. It should. So you technically I'd have to double check that TP bonus. I very rarely submarine. Uh, I, I know you would lose that, um, you know, your your store TP and everything, and your hit build, which is important, especially. So, but it could. I mean, I'm curious. I don't think so. The only reason is because Fencer increases the hit rate to the main hand only, and I imagine the TP bonus would be associated with any weapon skills on that main hand. Well, yeah, it does. Even if... uh, no, it, it it works as long as you're doing the whole single wheel thing. It, it actually does. It actually does work. You you can use Fencer on, on Ranger. Because that on top okay. of Shiva's Blessing. It would be contingent on having a summoner, but that's not uncommon with Odyssey now. But also, just the fact that they released an Ampaka's gear with the extra TP bonus, I feel like in time, there's going to be more TP bonus gear, although they'll be very cautious with it and what jobs have it. Um, I think that Armageddon in time could have more potential down the road. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to, like, poop all over this gun like it's it's great like if you make it you're probably going to do fine most of the time well it's a big but, investment because metal plates suck and so does camping all that stuff it, yeah so is the imperium process like what, I, what i'm saying is as far as what you're going to get as a reward is probably not worth the effort but that's going to vary from person to person but i've made a fuck ton of these types of weapons and stuff and like as far as like the reward to return on my investment like arma has is probably at the bottom of the list like as far as as much as it gets used and that that could be partially that i never put myself on ranger when i make strats you know so i could be undervaluing it based on how often it actually has a chance to get used but it just feels like most of the time if i'm just in pure damage mode and i don't need to control hate it, it feels like foam is almost always the better choice I just felt like if if you had a summoner there, because I, I don't play the job, I don't know anything. I'm just spitballing ideas here. I felt like if you had that with um, Fencer, because you're a job that can stand out of range and use Berserk in this case with Fencer, um, I just felt like the potential of safely being out of range with an attack boost if you're starved against some Odyssey content and had a summoner there, like when you're doing our body, we use a summoner. Uh, it just so it felt like there was potential there for that. There is, and for Arabati, it's a super strong weapon. Like, I really want to take my Arma in there and see how that compares to using, like, something like a Fail Knot. And for people who don't know, yeah, it's because of the attack thing. Yeah. Um, but you got to think that any buff that you're applying to the Arma can be applied to any of these other guns as well. Correct. So if you look at the Foam, who's already 500 TP bonus ahead, if you apply even more TP bonus, like, it, it, you basically can hit 3k off of less shots. And a lot of times, if you hit like um, a triple proc on your double shot, or even most double shots, if you have like Sam's roll, you're going to clear like probably around 1200, 1300 TP. I was assuming it'd be so, diminishing returns to go past 2K like it is with Savage, but I didn't even look up the. What are we using? Right. And, and typically it is if you have to wait and actually TP phase it. But if you're just getting things that push you over it for free, 
And in this case, like the summoner buff is free, you know, fencer is free, all that stuff. Um, you might as well just do the 3k weapon skill, right? True. Because you're already there. There's potential also to go over, not that you would in this case, but I'm saying at that point, if you pass 2k, it'd be a, a case of that extra TP bonus potentially, you know, it, it, depending on how much TP you're getting, being it's all yeah, being wasted, in, but also just weighing it against the extra agility and the aftermath. If you're even getting aftermath, I don't know. It probably would be advantageous to come out with aftermath. Yeah, so I mean, if if you run into a situation where where somehow your your hit build is and hit builds really do matter on guns more so than other weapon types, um, if you're running into a situation where you can do three K weapon skills on a gun and you're like getting way overflow, um, more power to you. Um, and in that situation, the armor with the plus fifty agility is probably going to trump the other guns. But most of the time, being able to weapon skill sooner rather than having to hold out for like another shot is going to be pretty huge. And last uh, stands, like last stands FTP is two, three, and four at one, two, and three K. So it's not like you have diminishing returns there. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. But it is a big agility modifier. So yeah, and you and I'm not even talking about R15 stuff either. Like just throw that out of the equation because obviously foam has the edge there. But yeah, and you'd be missing out on. Um, light but since you have corsair in this case for our body shooting it wouldn't matter because unless they're also using um you know um for uh yeah form for light with last stand but they would be using uh detonator anyway so wouldn't matter yeah yeah if we're talking about our body you do want to use detonator if you're using like um, a minimal buffs approach because of the uh the attack bonus on that weapon skill and that's where stuff like Fail not's good because it has better um, effective range. And I'm jumping into all these weapons we haven't even covered yet, um, but they're on the list. Uh, and yeah, there, there's reasons why you would use like an ultimate weapon, but not use the ultimate weapon skill and stuff like that that we're getting way. Speaking of which, on. Uh, yeah, Fomal Hot is the next weapon. Wait, you missed Scandiva. Oh, well, I look at it, it says Armageddon Ooh. and then it says Fomal Hot on the list. Oh, it does. Yeah, and then I said I brought them out, or I oh. brought them out of order. <gasps> And I just complimented your friends. Oh. Yeah, give well, you my, my friends had nothing to do with the order of the list. In this episode of WTF and Von Adil, Zahn loses daddy's <laughs> love. Right. I gotta find another social link shell. Yeah, it actually looks like we jumped right into Annihilator and skipped uh, skipped two of them that were on this first. Uh, yeah, so we skipped Nandiva, uh, which is the other appearance. Which Zahn's gonna talk about. So, Nandiva is... Yeah. I don't think most people do, and it it used to be rated as super, super good during the Abyssi era, and then no one talked about it, and super, super garbage, because no one talks about it, because no one talks about it, therefore it's super, super garbage, and now it's getting those niche cases back, and uh, that's what everyone likes, is reasons to use it in specific situations because you're bored, and complain there's no content, you have to make a weapon. (laughs) Well, the digs digs continue. Got plenty of time building this Imperium. So Candiva is the Imperium bow? And, and this was an interesting one to look into because the mythology behind the bow itself is very widespreading and then to condense it so we're not sitting here for about an hour talking about it was kind of hard to do. Well, it goes back to your mom being reincarnated as a cow thing. <sighs> Thanks. I'm sure, oh. she'll love that. Not, not your mom. <laughs> I know, not my mom. We already established who's mom. And the Aze listen to this and then just try to find a point where uh, we all live. I'm dead after this. That's it's gonna be they're coming for me. 
You, you may need your vacation. I'm going to have to get some sheep's blood above the door or something to appease the, the swarm of locusts <laughs> descending upon Egypt here to spare my firstborn. Wow. So Gandiva in Hindu mythology was created by Brahma, the creator of the universe, in order to protect uh, Dharma. It was later given to Lord Shiva, and then I want to butcher some of these names. Like Prajapati. Prajapati, who then gave it to Indra, who gave it to Soma, who gave it to Varuna. So if Prajapati gives it to Indra, is that Prajapati training? No. <laughs> I don't even want to touch that. I don't. Well, you don't. So you would wash your hands afterwards. I feel like karma is going to kill me later. Um, and then we went into the epic of Mahabharata. Mahabharata. In the epic, uh, Gambita is given to Arjun. Or, I'm sorry, Arjuna. Uh, he is considered one of the best archers and warriors within Mahabharata. I'd imagine it's supposed to be because um, it, it bounces everywhere. The the epic itself is several pieces, uh, but I imagine it's supposed to be like a city or a country or a city-state, if you would. I would relate it to, in my mind, I don't know anything about this uh, Mahabharata history or lore or anything or, or Hindu mythology, but I would relate it in a more popular sense because we have Hollywood to like um, Achilles being the best warrior of the uh, of the, the Greeks, so in the, in the case of the Trojan War there when they have him do the one-on-one or whatever combat. Um, so I would relate it to him being like, instead of Achilles being the best warrior with like a spear or something, whatever whatever his flavor was, it'd be like, you know, uh, Arjuna was the best of their warriors with a bow. And that's what I'm suspecting. Arjuna was one of five brothers. Uh, so this entire epic is the story about him and his brothers and the things they did. The epic itself is, from what I understand, almost over 20 parts. Uh, there's very, there's a lot of proverbs that actually come out of this epic. Uh, one being Oppenheimer, when he talks about detonating the nuke. And he talks about, um, Shiva. Oh, I'm sorry, Vishnu. And his line of, I have now become death to sure the worlds. Uh, that's in this epic. All of your fort are belong to us. Uh, that was when, or year zero, or wing zero. <laughs> and you know, if it's 20 parts... Um, that's pretty long. You're gonna need to have a lot of Prajapati breaks. Yeah, if we if you, again, there was no way I was gonna I'm gonna be able to condense this and get this within a reasonable bite that I'm not gonna lose half the world or half the comments are gonna be like, this dude doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Death destroyer of comments. Exactly. So we're gonna do what every teacher didn't want us to do in high school. We're just gonna rip shirt off the wiki page. Oh, I didn't know we had a wiki page. Uh the wiki page for the actual Gandiva, or the mythological Gandiva. I'm surprised you didn't rip it off, because that's what we did for the mythic one, in terms of (laughs) (laughs) we read the game, and then I guess Funk put together whatever he got from the wiki, and then that was it. So I was the only one who actually, like, slightly contributed by doing research? Yeah. Am I I the only person who went to the wiki, and then, like, googled the individual results I found within the wiki for all those weapons? Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of daddy's love, Zanj just proven that his parents brought him uh, Encyclopedia Britannica when he was a kid, and he had something to read. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's it's free online. My parents had internet. Wow. up was slow. This guy with the freaking you know internet not connecting with someone called in two lines. So Gandiva. So, uh, so Gandiva is given to Arjuna, uh, and Arjuna he goes through 
these tasks. Um, the biggest thing about Gandiva itself, though, is Gandiva gives the wielder self-confidence and self-belief, this idea that you can achieve what you put yourself to. And being a weapon that was created for defense, you would want someone who's wielding it to be confident in what they're doing. Uh, the bow consisted of 108 celestial strings. Each was endowed, I'm sorry, endued with a great energy and is believed to have the strengths of one Lauk bow. I'm not too familiar with that. Is that like the Loxley bow that you get from the Antican NM? <laughs> I, I, uh, I highly doubt that it's the uh, same bow. I, I, I you know, so. as you said Lock bow. I'm like, maybe it's Loxley bow. I don't, I don't know. Different lore. Uh, Nonetheless, continue. Gandhi, yeah. Different lore. Uh, Gandiva was indestructible. Uh, so when Arjuna is done with his trial at the end of the epic, uh, they request that they get the bow back. And how he does this is he realizes he can't perform any more feats. And that was prophesied in the way he's going to end up passing on. So what does he do? He does what any great person who's got to give something back to the gods does. He drops it in the bottom of the ocean and says, okay, well, thanks for letting me use it. Uh, it gets reclaimed by the celestial beings, so the top three in Hindu mythology, which, if I remember correctly, is Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. Again, if I'm wrong, please let me know. Don't come and hunt me down. Uh, from there, it goes back into the gods. They now have this bow again. Our hero has gone on to do better things, possibly reincarnated, possibly just back to dust. I don't know, it's just the end of the epic. So that's Candiva in about one soundbite. Uh, the associated weapon skill, uh, Jishnu's Radiance. Jishnu is another name given to Arjun, or Arjuna um, in mythology. While Arjuna means white, clear, or silver, Jishnu means triumphant. But our hero Arjuna is given multiple names throughout the epic, which I do believe he may have been given different names as titles, not so much as like first names. Uh, Arjuna is probably his first name or his given name. And then the rest were titles given to him for the various feats that he may have accomplished or the various actions that he completed. The Radiance. Fail not. So... Okay, so fail not, Aonyx. Sorry, Fox, uh, did you have something there? No, I was just going to point out that out of the Imperian weapons, um, Gandiva is simply in a better spot with the given content we have today. Like, the effective range is better. Yeah, true shock so, gear has been coming more, more common, yeah. too. So. Any straight-up damage bonuses from that stacked with everything else. It, it just is more synergistic with a lot of the same strategies that you might use the Armageddon on. I, right now, it's just a more favorable weapon, in my opinion. But that's all I really had for it. I'm actually curious what the stats in the weapon skill are, because it is a crit weapon They're, they're dex-based. Yeah, that's also something. And ranged crit is definitely based on agility. Yes, which is also... Awkward. It's, yeah, it's a very awkward weapon skill to use. So it's when FTP it's charged is, up... I, for a crit weapon skill, the FTV is pretty high. Yeah, and it transfers too. So yeah. it, it you can actually get really decent results if you push the base damage up, which is exactly what Hovershot does. And I fired off uh, Jishnu's out of uh, Failnot. And it actually does a pretty nice amount of damage. It, like, like all your weapon skills will once you cap Hovershot damage. But um, it actually puts out some pretty respectable numbers with some good skill chain properties. So it's, it shouldn't be overlooked, but I mean, it's not going to be the best thing that 
you're going to be able to shoot either. It's so essentially, it's, not, it's, not it's actually a stronger version of CDC. Yeah. And I would assume the TP bonus would be exactly the same due to the time it was released. Same modifier. And unless, I think at one point, CDC's FTP was listed as like 1.75. And then Proth the Scar, shout out Proth, uh, if I recall correctly, did a lot of testing that showed it was like, as it says here in the wiki, 1.6328125 FTP. So, but the crit bonus on that is for CDC is 1525.40. And 40 is very big, even for, you know, if Ranger's crit is based on agility there, obviously. So assuming the FTP is a little higher, it is a equivalent but slightly stronger version of CDC for Ranger. Yeah. And if you're in content where you can use it and like, like I've used it in like level 132 content just messing around and which is decently high. Like most of the things in this game that you fight are going to be around that level range. Uh, I've hit weapon skills like 50-60k when fully shot um, out of Jishnu's Radiance out of a, uh, a fail knot. So I can only imagine that Candida is even stronger. Uh, because it, it gives you that that bonus at R15, obviously, and then also the the bonus to base damage that comes from uh, the like plus fifty to seventy decks that you're going to get on that weapon too. Um, so yeah, it's a it's pretty strong now, but it, it used to be kind of a joke weapon skill. Um, but like most ranged weapon skills are good now, so I, I don't really know how to parse that to be honest. It seems like it fit in very well being a crit weapon skill against Arabati due to the lack of yeah. if you're going. And then multi-round setup for farming there and don't have all your buffing jobs. If you're not just doing tier ones and stuff and want to do more than that, or even just in general, um, it seems like having a crit weapon skill in that situation would be, especially with hover shot, would be very nice due to the lack of attack. Yeah, for sure. I think it would be possible to... Because it's got light property, so I was wondering, light since you were talking about using it with, with fail not, is it possible that I could close Radiance then? Yeah, I can. If you, yeah, as long as you have aftermath from, yeah, from was it Apex era? Mm-hmm. And Apex is like a detonator, except with you know, um, attack bonus as well. Yeah, it's just an it's, awkward yeah. detonator. Yeah. Anyway, so fail yeah. not. So the fail not, uh, fail not, also known as fail not. Oh yeah, fail not, which ironically is a level seventy-two weapon from Wings of the Goddess in Castle O. Uh, so the fail knot is the bow of Tristan. Tristan was a knight. Uh, some sources say he's a knight of the round table and a three lore. Others say he comes from that part of mythology. He wasn't an actual knight of the round table. But he is the nephew of King Mark of Cornwall. Or based on this episode, King Mark of Cornhole. Uh, why pause? I knew you were going to get one in. What, you mean beanbag? No, not yeah, like the game. Yes, yes, it it can be a game. It could be a game. Uh, so in the legend of Tristan and Isulit, she has multiple names, uh, depending on what version of Is legend it? it is. Mark King Mark sends Tristan. Goes, hey, uh, you defeated the champion Marhouse or Marhaus of Ireland, and Kin Anguish. Or Angish is gonna broker a treaty with me. He's gonna give his daughter to be my queen. Tristan goes to escort her back to King Mark along the way, and it varies from version to version, but they either come seduced under some spell, the two of them, 
or they just naturally fall in love. I've seen, hey, uh, they drank a potion and fell in love, and they wanted to be together for the rest of their life. The story ends up being, so they run away, they don't go back to the King Mark, and King Mark then sends his men to find these two. I did not go back. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Depending on what version, uh, depends on how this story ends. In the English version of this this legend, uh, Mark kills Tristan. I did not. But he did. <laughs> uh, I did not. In the French or Italian version, because they were written in the 1800s, so I imagine this is when all, all these myths and lores were romanticized, so everybody had a happy ending. Well, these two get a happy ending. They live happily together, they have a family, they call it a day, they go on and everything is beautiful, sun shines, rainbows, and puppies, and unicorns. Somewhere a film I could said. I can't yeah. handle this, Isolt, you're tearing me apart! Uh, Apex Arrow, the associate weapon skill, I'd imagine, doesn't truly have anything in lore, I think it's probably just a play on words. Uh, Apex obviously being the top. Like the room? It may have something to do with... Uh, the height of an arrow that it may fly. I don't know. I didn't find anything for it, and I'm not too familiar with these Aeonics. Uh, okay, so spoilers. Um, Apex Arrow is not the apex of archery weapon skills. Um, it's kind of weird how you want to look at this. So there are so archery used to be considered like super bad, but there are some fights where it's actually incredibly useful because of the range you can stand at, which is what we were talking about for Yandiva. And then also for what certain weapon skills that were previously kind of laughed at can bring to the table now when you're in limited buff situations. So what we're talking about is like Detonator Imperial Arrow, which gives um, a two times bonus to your actual attack value and when you're calculating your weapon skill damage and all that stuff. Um, it can actually take your um, your buffs a lot further when you use that on a fight like Arabati, where you got to be able to uh, cap your PDF, but you might not have access to like as many buffs that are available depending on how you want to set up the rest of your run because you usually want to kill three bosses in a row. Um, Apex Arrow is awkward because the tooltip says it delivers a four times attack, which it does not. It's a single hit. <laughs> and then also it ignores defense, kind of like Camlin's Torment does, but it doesn't do it by as much, if I remember right. I'd have to look up Camlin's. But um, basically, it, it's almost always better to double your attack rather than to ignore like a certain percentage of the defense uh, on, on most mobs most of the time. So almost always, um, Apex Arrow is not going to perform better than um, Imperial Arrow when you're taking on a target like Arabati where you have this specific kind of buff situation. So it gets kind of weird, um, but but I don't know. But it, either way, uh, Imperial Arrow is um, is going to be preferred, and the uh, the fail knot is actually a lot better now in that situation because you can hit uh, higher TP thresholds faster, kind of like our discussion before about, you know, foam versus Arma. Um, this is the same sort of situation that comes down because of the 500 TP bonus on fail knot. You can actually, um, uh, you can actually have a higher FTP value uh, and still get the, the two times attack, but at lower TP thresholds. So like you're, you're firing off more frequent weapon skills and they're just simply stronger and they're, they're quite a bit stronger. Because uh, for Imperial Arrow to really be good, you really want to get the 3k. Um, it actually has increasing returns. Um, so, you know, you kind of have to play it a little bit differently, and it may not be the, the play style that you're used to, but it's a good way to, like, circumvent some things in fights. So it's kind of a long-winded way of saying that bows are back, and they're a lot more useful now than they used to. So, 
looking at um, Kelman's throwing, the defense ignored Aries, and it jumped significantly. At 1,000 TP, it's 12.5. 2,000, it's 37.5. At 3K, it's 62.5. Uh, the FTP is 3.0. Oh, it's it's a nice little weapon. Oh, yeah. I put out great numbers with Kamons. Like, it's not, uh, it's not bad by any means. It's just for the reason you're using a specific weapon skill, it's usually to circumvent some kind of, like, PDF ratio imbalance that you can't correct with jobs I've, that are available. I've used it a lot on the bird and then when we're doing our three times runs and I got no buffs, it's the ideal weapon skill to use there against the bird yeah. uh, for skill chaining. And Well, the bird doesn't take shit from skill chains, but I don't have a shining one, so it was ideal to use. I can imagine. I don't know if shining uh, one would exceed it, but it probably would. I would like to. I would actually like to try that myself, but I can just never get myself on Dragoon for that particular fight. Definitely got to go make the Imperian just for that bird. Uh, we have Hide and Go Sam with Impulse Drive, and he actually does really well with it. So yeah, I, I exceed know. him though with Comlins with Trish though. So yeah, it's I probably imagine, due to our buffs. I yeah, I imagine that unless it's just purely buff related, that my Shining One on Dragoon would probably be better. Probably, probably, May, probably. Yeah, you get the attack bonus, attack bonus from the Wyvern. Yeah, that's that's what I have going yeah. on. On top of just Dragoon's more set up for it than say Yeah, because he's, he's not taking advantage of Overwhelm, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, and then with Shining One, you get the, uh, the increased crit. There's more, there's more TP overflow with Dragoon than there is Sam. But this is one of those situations, though, when you're like selecting these kinds of weapons where you want to look into what they can do, and you don't always just have to spam their associated weapon skill. You got to ask yourself, hey, why am I using this fail not? Like, why does this, why does this weapon matter, and what does it bring to the table? Well, it gives you a better shot range. Um, it gives you TP bonus for a weapon skill that you want to fire off at high TP, and you're using it in a specific situation where you're trying to use its uh, multipliers on a uh, very specific weapon skill. So this falls into the super niche category, but it does allow you to build a party differently than you may otherwise think you would be able to build it. And there are videos that, that have actually showed me how this works and everything. Like, I'm not an originator of this idea. I just thoroughly know why it works the way it does. And um, it goes back to, like, stuff that I've seen from, like, Zala. And I've seen some other uh, situations where, like, these kinds of weapon skills have been used on TV bonus weapons. And it's actually outperformed stuff like uh, the usual suspects, like uh, like your Arma or, or whatever. It, it just depends on what kind of buffs you're getting. Otherwise, some people look at weapon on Reddit and say that's bullshit. <laughs> right? Because it's not best in slot. It's not. Uh, <laughs> so dumb. So, so the final weapon. The, hot. the final fish weapon. weapon. The fish weapon. So originally, I thought it was a dragon, and after realizing what it is, I was like, "Oh no, that's that's a fish." Apparently, it's here to let us down. Yeah, it's here to let us down. Uh, Fomahat is Arabic for the fish's mouth, and the real Fomahat is also known as Alpha Pisces Astrini, which is located 25,000, <laughs> sorry, 25 light years away. It is one of the stars located in the southern fish in the Pisces constellation. Wow. Uh, Fomahat itself doesn't have any planets, it has a large dust cloud believed to be formed by two comet like bodies. Here's the ironic part about it. Uh, the dust cloud is roughly 12.4 to 14.7 billion years away. It's a massive ring of dust around this one star. To put it in perspective, because now we're talking about astrophysics. 
Neptune, which is the furthest planet from the sun, is 4.5 billion miles from the sun. It's three times the distance. Uh, to be honest, I don't know how the hell we've even seen it. Uh, we can talk about science and all that fun stuff later. Uh, how they discover these things, but for the longest time, they believed that dust cloud was actually hiding a planet. Uh, what they later found out was, no, it's just a lot of dust and comets and all sorts of things out there. Uh, they anticipate on a daily basis there's 2,000 collisions out there, so they think the objects that formed this dust cloud massive. I think we know because uh, Hubble got you, and you can just probably Hubble in on that. <laughs> Guess I'll be a little bit more Hubble. <laughs> oh, wow. the pun danger. Alright, uh, Fomahat is one of the four royal stars. The other three being Aldebaran, uh, which is associated with the card from um, the winter event, or the Christmas event, the holiday event, and its horn, which is associated with the buffalo event that comes right around January, February time. The second is Regulus. No association in game with this. Uh, I mean, I could play the, hey, let me really reach out there and get you a couple pieces of gear, but... Harry Potter? Yeah, you're just reaching at that point. You're just reaching for the stars. Uh, the last one is oh. Andarus. Uh, Andarus is... The real-life Andarus is part of the Scorpio constellation, and in-game it actually has two things. One, it's a club. It's uh, roughly like a level 72 club, if I remember correctly. And the second is a Scorpion mob. Ironic, you know, Scorpio constellation, Scorpion mob. The associate weapon skill lands last stand. Uh, last stand is one of these things that you really don't want to do in real life. Uh, it's when you're going to hold something until pretty much everybody dies. Or reinforcements come and you've attrited your forces to nothing. Uh, um, dictionary, uh, the dictionary, I pulled this one out of the dictionary because, you know, my parents didn't buy me an encyclopedia. They gave me the internet. Britannica, uh, is the act of... Is what? Britannica, bitch. <laughs> I don't think I got this on Britannica. Uh, last end is the act of determinedly holding or defending a position against a more powerful opposing force. A final show of resistance protest, especially into, in, quote, to make one's last stand, unquote. All right, yeah. famous last stands. Thermopylae, everybody's favorite 300, uh, which ironically, there was more than 300 people there. It was 300 Spartans, though. Battle of Gajau, which is also known as the last stand in the Wu River. And then Texas's own, the Battle of the Alamo. I'd imagine it's a really nice weapon skill because everybody uses it, right? What about Little Bighorn? Well, it is. Yeah, oh, yeah, Little Bighorn. And probably Stalingrad. Okay. I. We have so much time. Or the, the ghetto at Warsaw. <laughs> okay. What I'm learning <laughs> is I had more time, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what the weapon skill in-game has to do with an actual last stand, other than that it sounds cool. I'm very familiar with last stands, as after this episode airs, I will be killed by someone for making fun of their mother. Oh, okay. <laughs> you have to make a last stand in your living room? So, have you named his successor? Uh, no, but I believe I'm going to promise it to a uh, a Norman king 
I'm just saying because, you know, all these lores, I don't want the Legend of Spicy to end with. And he got marked in his front yard. And Koth the Raven Nevermore. So, awesome. noteworthy rangers? The last section we have here? Unless there's more to cover on Last Stand, so... Uh, no, there's not uh, more to cover on Last Stand. Um, so, noteworthy rangers in Eleven, and possible real-life or mythological counterparts. I'm upset yeah. with this list. So, ironically, now you can hate the show. Thanks, guys, you let me down. There is, like, the most important one is not even fucking on here. What is the most important one? No, go through your list first. Go through oh, okay. your list. Sorry. Um, so the first one we have is Elvira Kogal, a divine marksman woman from Bastok. She wears the red mage armor. She wears part of the red mage armor. Has a Galkin uh, kid that crushes after her. I forgot about that. <laughs> you can't forget. No, I forgot about that. Um, so there's two possible references that she's inspired by. The first being Annie Oakley. Uh, the only reason is Elvira apparently distinguished herself within the Bastokian army as a marksman at a young age. Uh, Annie Oakley did something very similar in the West. She proved herself as a marksman against the show troops. Um, she was like 16, and then she continued to perform well into her later years. Uh, the other one is going to be Rosanna. Oh, I can't recall her last name. She was a Russian sniper in World War II, uh, attributed with having 93 uh, kills on the Nazi officers, actually. Uh, she made her last stand in eastern Germany. Ooh, rounds are yeah, bringing around to the last stand. The next is Najalith uh, Ayara. Ayara. Um, all I can find on this one is. There was a Taruya family. They were a samurai clan, uh, influential in 12th century Japan. As soon as I seen that, I said, I'm not going to touch that anymore. Because <laughs> I know Varus is going to come in and make all sorts of corrections. So, and I meant to reach out. I failed to do my part on that one. So, sorry, guys. Yeah, probably my part. You could have just told me I would have reached out because it's probably my job to reach out. Uh, so, his fault, not mine. And then we have... Uh, Semi Lafina. Uh, she's one of the Star Sibyl's guards. She is very influential in all of uh, the Winter storyline. I want to say she probably has some influence on the newer, or what is believed to be the newer lore and mythology for King Arthur and Guinevere. Again, that one is like I'm trying to reach for things at certain points because, you know, when you read things, you're like, I want this to work. Uh, I'm starting to think that was a case yeah, for here. That can sometimes be a huge trap. Yep. Um, that is three of them. I feel like I missed someone very important. Oh, well, uh, I told you you did, so. Yeah, no, it's, it's not ringing a bell who. Well, me, obviously. Well, okay, so then there's the Fox <laughs> Danger. He is, you know, based off of the real Fox Danger and no one else can. That's a dangerous proposition. Okay, so I'll give you one guess. Fox, you can even help him because he probably needs help because he couldn't think of it. Who is the most important ranger in the game that wasn't mentioned in that there? Uh, come on, come on, you know. I don't know. Nothing's on? No? You're not, you're what, not Tenzin? With, no, not Tenzin. He's, you're not going with the chieftain, right? I'm going with, with the person who gives you the job. 
Oh, the chieftain? Yeah, Perry Vashai. Perry Vashai, whatever the hell her name is. She's the mother of, of the person you just listed last there in the game lore. So I guess I should well, there you go. I guess I should probably apologize to She's also Grom because he said that You you know why she's too. blind, right? You know that range. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not gonna spoil it, but uh one of the greatest, if not the greatest storylines in this entire game is the Wings of the Goddess Winders quest line. And if no one and if no one has ever done that, that involves a bow that's not it's a it's a NPC only bow that is of you know, uh ultimate weapon uh lore here with an amazing cutscene and 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 everything behind it. I will not spoil that. But if you've not done that and you've not seen that, Zahn, have you seen that? You probably should. No, I probably should. Okay, if you had seen it, you would never have not included her because she wields that bow and and saves Windurst with it. So go do that quest line. It is very good. And it also involves Shantoto. And it's it's very good. So best of all the quests. It's, it's, and frankly, the Windurst quest line is better than the entire Wings of the Goddess. And I thought Wings of the Goddess was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually feel really dumb for for not thinking of that. I, to be honest, they the told me about it. They told me about it, and I don't know why I didn't put it. So I have to apologize <laughs> some now. Yeah, this bitch, gonna... this blind bitch, made me go watch a tiger die. I don't want to mention her. She's not important. <laughs> you know, when Carrot had the one life ranger, she <laughs> she was doing on a mule or whatever for some reason, and she went to go watch the tiger die and got bored, so she went to go take a shower, and the tiger died while she was in the shower, and she came back, and it had been too long, and she had to start it over again, and listed on you the know. wiki the exact long, quote, boring time down to the second of how long you had to wait for the tiger to die. The end of that entire arc is, like, the, one of the only times in this game where it felt, where it feels like the choices that you had to make to resolve the conflict had, like, any weight to their actions. And the fact that it's so good, you know, we talked before about you weren't the hero of the story when we talked with uh, Nero. Uh, you know, you're you're just part of the story. You're an adventurer yeah. who happens to be in a place. You know, you were you were part of winning that. You were needed, but ultimately, you were not the reason that the day was won there. And it was very clear why the day was won. It was all the other characters around you that you helped. So that was a super good story. You know, great great way of perspective and putting it. So. Yeah, otherwise you'd just meet yourself and you'd have some sort of quest for you to give. And the fact that that was probably one of the best... Which is like Rhapsody's spoilers. One but... of the best tie-ins to modern game of just things you never thought about. Like, I never thought about why the ranger was blind. I'm like, okay, some blind bitch sitting in a chair uh, gives me the, the job. But when they tie it into the whole how everything happens, and like, that, that storyline also covers the Sin Hunters uh, from the Mithras and their continent and how the Mithran came to be in Windurst. And all like the super important lore and Star Sybil and Fenrir and like 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 everything you could think of that's super important in the game, Kara Barua, uh, you know, just all this all the important stuff is all on that little quest line, and it's like the best. So Yeah, it's true. Yeah, now after I finished Wings, I was like, I'm done with the past. <laughs> oh, it's so worth it. And that's spoken like a true FFXI player in this modern era. <laughs> it was hard. I dreaded Wings. I sat in this seat and just dreaded wings. I mean, I've done wings three times, okay? God bless you, you're a saint. Three whole times. I didn't mind it. The worst thing is that stupid quest with the bitch and their kid, and they gotta make them walk through the, the place, and they get lost or scared or whatever, and then the Winder's quest line, but otherwise... I think the worst was uh, Kate Sith and 
minigame. Oh, yeah, no, that's part of the mission I'm talking about, you know. As far as doing it every time, I had to escort this bitch through all this. The Yagado was a shit mission, or shit quest, for to get to the next mission. You couldn't just kill them? Uh, you had to wait for her to walk. You're level 99. You gotta wait for like, an NPC. Just back every fucking movement speed on a thing? You gotta wait for the NPC. What really sucks is uh, I dropped my uh, my reward ring for that, and it can still be used as like the best elemental siphon ring. And now I forever know that and am bothered by it every time I use elemental siphon. <laughs> I think I dropped mine too. I had it for yeah, a long time. Yeah, you can't reclaim it. It used to be best for Corsair. Yeah, you can't get it back. That's it's funny. Cool. Yeah, it it bothers me every I time the I ring use was that cool. ability. What was the ring called? Oh, I don't even remember. I could look it up real quick, but I'm not going to. I'm going to type Wings of the Goddess into BG, and it's going to tell me, did you mean missions? You mean the Zodiac Ring? Zodiac yes. Ring, yeah, that's it. Yep. Did you One really want to keep you wear. Did you really want to keep a level 80 elemental affinity ring like that just for an extra 3% on, uh, on Siphon? That is something that I would do, yeah. If, I could, if I could turn... And I wouldn't have dropped time. it. I wouldn't have dropped it if I could store it. Right. You can store other shit and you can't store that. It's bullshit. I dropped it so long ago though that I did not have the concept of being able to store it. It was like when I when I just came back to the game and I was like, oh, all this stuff is item level now. I don't need this crap. So would Zodiac would Zodiac crap. Ring also be the best for nuking in, in terms of the extra three percent bonus on a ring for if you're using the Obi and everything, or it's real unlikely. I, that's why I figured I got rid of it because it was no longer the best for nuking. That's what I got rid of it for to you, yeah. Yeah. Given the amount of rings that we have now, I'm pretty sure anything with it would be a lot better at this point. Yeah, most of the time. And it also didn't uh, work yeah, for Kira's. If it worked for Kira's, that would have been good, too. That's true, yeah. Or just blue magic in general. Yeah. See? You ask yourself the same question. Is it good for blue? Yo, and, and Zampa Zimpa with those Cardians. Zampa Zimpa's in that quest line, too, for Windurst. If anyone hasn't done it, you gotta go do it. So, yeah, we talked about Ranger and the lore behind it and everything because it's not really a job that you would really think is associated with like much other things in this game like it, it's a pretty basic dd and i'm sure i'll get some hate from some ranger main who thinks it's the most diverse job ever but i mean it, it has its tricks but it's just a pretty straightforward dd and you know a lot of times people don't really give it any thought like it, it's not nearly as like mystical sounding as being a samurai or a ninja or, you know, anything like that. It's just kind of a job that does ranged attacks. No one really bothers to think of where they're from or anything. So we kind of just wanted to, like, touch on the, the components that make up a ranger and see how, you know, SE had infused it into the game. So that's kind of what we were shooting for today. Yeah, and thank you, Zon, again for coming on to do this. It was a good time as always. So it was. All right. You have anything to add, Spicy? Welcome to WTF and Vana Deal. This has been another episode, and we are the place to get your hubcaps for a 72 Pinto hatchback. Gross. All right, Where, later, guys. Where'd you come up?